And we're back. Mitchell, Matt, how's it going? It's going good. The Dern Show episode, I don't actually remember what episode we are on. 18. A 18. Yeah, it's been a while. So we're actually, we're a little bit behind. So we have a bat, uh, tournament report, tournament recap to give, but the tournament actually happened like a month ago, maybe a little bit more than a month ago. It's a... Uh, Life had gotten in the way a little bit, so we're we're catching up, but we're doing it, so that this is good. Um, the moral victory is that all of our episodes in the queue have been published, so we are officially caught up as of this moment. Yes, Ex- we are exactly. The more pressure on we'll to take keep the small, going, though. <laughs> we'll take the small ones. After this, we got nothing, but we've got content for tonight. Yes. Um, no, so what do we do? So we all, we actually, it was pretty fun. We all flew to, um, North Carolina to play in the great battle of Carolina's tournament. It was a 1000 point three game event Mm -hmm. that they hosted over there. It was a great time. Um, and that's what we're going to kind of go over today. So, um, we, I feel like we shared our tournament list already. So maybe yep. a quick recap on just what armies we're running. We don't have to go in detail. Um, and then we can, we can jump right into the first, the first round. So Matt, you were running, what army were you running again? Uh, I had Erebor reclaimed and I brought them with uh, a yellow Alliance lady of light brought in. Excellent. Right. And Mitchell, Mitchell, what were you running? I was running uh, Lothlorien with uh, Treebeard allied in. So the Ent came down to help, or came up to help. Um, so I had Galadriel, Celeborn, Rumil, and Treebeard filled in with a bunch of uh, elves. Awesome. And I and I was running Last Alliance, Alindil, Gilgalad, with a cohort of um, a cohort of Last Alliance warriors. So. Uh, so why don't we jump in? So the first round, so quick recap. Oh, Mitchell, you actually got your list pulled up that's, here. That's Matt's, but yeah. Oh, Matt, you're sharing. Okay. That's right. Thorn on, Thorn on goat. Here we go. Dane on pig. Dwallin on goat. The custom job you did there. And then Lady Light allied in. Okay, perfect. I don't have my army list up to share. Which uh, we all had fairly low model count for a thousand points. I think I was at thirty nine, and you guys reach at forty. So, yes, yeah. pretty pretty elite. Yeah, yeah, pretty we, elite. I had the three sentinels, which knocked me down on the model count a little bit. But forty was my model count as well. Well, and you were also bringing Treebeard, a two hundred point model as well. Yes. So I think you had the most expensive model of all three of us. But no. uh, I thought Alendo was two hundred. Lendo on horse, be. yeah. He's either one ninety or two. He's expensive, yeah. So he's yeah. right up there, yeah. So Mitchell's definitely is more expensive though because he had to buy a metal int, and now he's going to have to buy a plastic one because he's going to want that new kit. I don't want it. <laughs> see if you can do surgery to the fingers on Pippin. Yeah, I see. I, it's because of that that I don't think I want it. <laughs> like I saw the hobbits, and I was like, eh, I, I think I'll, I'll be good with my metal one for now. This is a total rabbit trail, but the hobbits are awesome, except for the one hand on the tree beard model. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wonder how that got through, but oh well. I'm know. buying. I'm buying it tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow at noon. 
go for it. I'm more looking forward to those Easterlings. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So tonight we're going to go through really our, our tournament recap. We It was a three-game, thousand-point event, as we already kind of laid out. Uh, Mitchell, can you give us a rundown, a reminder on what uh, tournaments or what scenarios we played? Yeah, so when we did our episode 17, we they, he released the scenarios, and we we mistakenly thought that that was the order they were in. And when mm-hmm. we got there, we realized he mixed up the order. He, it was the same scenarios, but he had mixed up the order. So the scenarios, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, were Reconnoiter, uh, then Lords of Battle. No, not mm-hmm. Lords of Battle. It was uh, no, it was a Domination. Sorry, Domination. Domination second. No, yeah. Capture and Control. The other. Oh one. yeah, yeah. Matt's right. Matt's right. Uh, this is how long it's been. Uh, but yeah, capture and control, and then the third one was Lords of Battle. Lords of Battle, right? That's yep. the one that was screwing me up. So yep. I knew it was th- those three scenarios, and I got mixed up capture and control. So capture and control was the different one because you could tag it and then run, yep. and there were already set points that weren't going to mix it up. But yeah, those were the, and that was actually the order it was in. It was uh, recon, then um, capture and control, and then Lords of Battle. Perfect. So why don't we just jump right into it? Uh, Matt, you want to get us started with game one, reconnoiter, thousand points. Who are you facing? What was your board? And then right into the bat rep. Absolutely. So round one, I was facing a guy named Mike uh, and he brought Mordor and he had a, I'll call it a, a ginormous horde of mixed of Black Art of Baradur, Moranan Orcs. Um, he had a Great Beast of Gorgoroth mixed in there. Um, he had Kardush, Gothmog. Just one Great Beast? Yeah, just one Great Beast. <laughs> oh, you That'll only be, had one. Yeah, only one. Uh, that'll make sense later for the people trying to understand why we're saying that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think... I'm trying to remember. He had almost 70 models um, with a lot of heroes mixed in. So the board is what I want to spend most of the time talking about. The board was a Goblin Town board. And so lots of different small bridges, um, little walkways. People have seen Goblin Town, so they know what I'm talking about. But um, the rules that were set up, they they did a really nice job in this tournament of having rules for each board ahead of time. So they kind of made it clear what was half movement getting up. So there's a lot of areas where just to get on top of the planks, you were having your movement. There were spots where bigger models couldn't fit through at all, and that was clear. Um, so as we started uh, rolling to arrive on the board, um, my opponent just started spreading out the entire length of the board and i was sitting there with you know 39 models so i deployed in the middle so as my opponent spread his army across the entire board he rolled really well to arrive um, got most of his stuff on except for the great beast um I got one warband on turn one, put it right in the middle. The rest of my warbands arrive turn two. And I start just pushing up the middle with the thought of, I'll see where his main force is going to wind up and I'll engage that and look for opportunities to sneak around as possible. Um, So one of his big heroes was the troll chieftain. And he was coming on my right side of the board coming at me. So I took my main force and I went 
to engage the troll chieftain and left a force in the middle to try and slow down his great beast and some other stuff. And so just imagine as, as we're meeting, he's got a huge numbers advantage. There's models that are just sneaking by me. I had six archers, so I kind of left them towards my back end of my battle line before we met to try and just take shots as, as I could. So this game is, is really going to come down to one big area, and that's where I engage with the Troll Chieftain. My force was just wiping out all of his orcs, got to the Troll Chieftain. Troll Chieftain's fight seven, I think. All of my heroes are yep. fight six. Um, first combat with the Troll Chieftain, I had Thorin with Okrist. I had Dane. Um, I struck, rolled a one. It's okay. Uh, he took two wounds off of Dane, but didn't kill him. Next turn oh, wait, of combat. So, so you tied fight value. Did he strike two? No. Okay, so you, you, you tied on the fight value, and he won the roll-off yes. with your elven weapon. Yes. <laughs> round, round, round two of combat, I strike again. This time he counter-strikes. I rolled a one and lost. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, here was an interesting move on his part. He uh, hurled uh, Dwalin, who was on his goat. So Dwalin got dismounted but took no wounds. And, you know, I'll just say right now is where I should have just said, okay, there's too much effort being put into this troll chieftain. I'm going to take these other people and I'm going to go stop his horde. But I was mad at the troll chieftain. <laughs> so round three, I got two big heroes on the troll chieftain. Troll chieftains has his last point of might struck. Does anybody want to guess what I rolled for my strike? on the <laughs> No, three, you didn't roll. You lost it. Three, three ones. At this point, Matt's saying strike is the worst heroic action in the game. <laughs> Now, Wait, so now, you, now no, here, hold on, here, hold on, stop. So you had a troll chieftain versus Dane Ironfoot, Thorin Oakenshield, and Wallen, and yes. the, <laughs> the troll chieftain's winning. Yes, <laughs> best hundred and forty okay. point value ever. Yeah. So the first time he didn't strike, and he and he got lucky and won the roll. <laughs> Next two times he did strike. So this is the troll chieftain's last point of might on turn three of combat. He struck. He won the combat because I rolled a one, which was also somewhat amazing that he was getting sixes with three dice. I was thinking sooner or later that would happen, but he, he was getting it. And so don't, here was don't. here was here was one thing I was kind of proud of. So Dane is not in the combat this time. You've got Dwalin who was dismounted, Thorin on his mount, who has just lost a combat. And I'm thinking he is going to rend my leader, and I'm gonna lose leader points at the same time on this. So you know, I, I remembered, well, what do you do in this situation? You say voice of Saruman. So I threw a fit and I said, now you're going to kill Dwalin. I needed that extra. <laughs> he's like, no, he's like, don't like, kill Dwalin. Yeah, I was like, no, I need Dwalin. I can't live without Dwalin. He's like, that's right. I'm going to kill Dwalin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. <laughs> so he didn't strike your leader at all? <laughs> I love it. Love it. So, um, but I mean, in truth, we were having a good time. I mean, there, yeah. there may or may not have been some, some beverages being consumed during this first round. So, 
So you, voice you, of Saruman, voice of Michelob is what you really meant. Yes. <laughs> I just love that. No, not Twalin. That's right, Twalin. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to get him. <laughs> um, anyway, so Dwalin didn't actually die. He took some wounds that round. Um, wow. Now, th this whole time, Galadriel has had a bunch of dwarves trying to stop the onslaught on the left-hand side. And I keep falling back and stopping his line. But, you know, it's obvious that from a numbers advantage, I'm going to lose. And I've been stalling the Great Beast of Gorgoroth just because I'm calling heroic moves. The Great Beast is kind of stuck in the terrain. So that part's been going okay. But I've got a huge problem on my left-hand side because they're probably now, at the end of turn three of combat, two moves from getting a bunch of people off the board. So what I do is... And you're in the middle fighting... <laughs> I'm in the For middle, the and I've got all my heroes on my right middle side of the board where his troll chieftain was. Got so it. I kind of disengage from the troll chieftain. I've killed most of those warriors. I start sending two goats uh, and a bunch of people on foot towards the board edge. I'm probably three turns from getting anybody off on that my right-hand side. And everybody else goes to try and support the hemorrhaging on the left-hand side of the board. Um, and I'll just cut really quickly to the chase. The game ended. I got uh, three models off the board. I believe he got 12 off the board. Galadriel banished the Shadow Lord, which was his leader, so I killed his leader. He didn't wound mine, um, and nobody was broken. And the game ended on time. So... Mm. so he had 12, you had three. So he had more than three times your yeah. model. So that's seven. Oh, shit. So that's seven victory points for him. You killed his leader, so that's two for you. Mm -hmm. And nobody was broken. Right. So, I, I, so it's a major loss right off, the, right off the gate. My podium hopes are decimated, destroyed. It was a super fun game. He, he just cleaned my clock. Um, highlights just... Thinking back through, it's got to be the troll chieftain combat. I mean, three <laughs> strikes, and that troll chieftain was the beefy chiefy there for sure. Um, it was fun messing around with Galadriel. Just uh, his shooting did nothing. Of course, it's orc shooting, so they usually don't, but that was fun. And, and having the Shadow Lord run in terror all the time from the Banish was awesome. And he his spell casting with Kardush... And the Shadow Lord was a non-event just because by the time he was in range, I had everybody fortified up and we were resisting all the spells. So that was kind of fun seeing that gimmick work. Uh, my army was certainly built to take on a, a heavy casting list. So, But I got, I got destroyed. So there's round one for me. I do not like the Goblin Town board. It was built in quality, but the way it encumbered... The board was more of the game factor than anything for both of us. And I just, that wasn't my favorite board. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking over at that board and I was kind of seeing the same things. But it, it looked like a fun game. I think you were playing behind me. So I heard a lot of laughs and everything like that happening. I think I could yeah. hear every time, the tr every time you rolled the one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, we've talked about that, but that's part of the fun is the guy was playing was a lot of fun. Um, just, just made the whole experience cool. Um, what was funny was because like he was totally destroying me and he's like, 
man, you're, you're kicking my butt. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> this is going badly for me. Okay. So when we had originally talked, we were, t- you know, how to maximize, you know, victory points, how to go three and O and your first game you lose. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure was off me very quickly. <laughs> you're really helping this whole, let's like sweep the tournament. Let's fly to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. We'll show them how we roll. This is how well, it's really done. Yeah, sure. Let me, let me, uh, let me take next game. I'll show you, or I'll explain how you really maximize your first game. <laughs> so <laughs> I laugh. So you played one great beast in your loss, Matt, your game one loss. I had the pleasure of playing five great beasts. <laughs> <laughs> It is the most war beast I've seen on the board at once by far. Uh, so what was the army list? It was five great beasts with all of the warriors and, and captains included. It was a mortar war catapult with a troll. And it was a Haradrum chieftain with a warrior who had a war horn. So that was the thousand point list I was playing against. Super weird. But we'll see kind of how it worked. Well, we'll see how it played. Um, so reconnoiter. The board I was playing on it was Battle of Pelennor Fields, which was kind of, I thought it was kind of cool because the Great Beast, it was, it was a wide open map. The one thing I didn't really think about, though, going into the, until we started the game, was if a Great Beast got off the board, that is a Great Beast plus the 10 warriors that it was carrying. So... I immediately was like, oh no, how do I, I have to prevent any great beast from getting off the board? Cause 10 models or 11 models and game's over. Like Matt, you, your guy had 12 off the board and you had a major loss. So that's kind of what the, the position I was put in. So uh, the map was wide open. There was a middle portion. So it was really cool. There was some downed Mumak terrain they had created. It was more like on the corner of the side. It wasn't really impacting the game. The one part that was impacting the, the the board was in the very middle. It was the scene they created where the the witch king of Ag the witch king faced off against Mary uh, Mary Eowyn after killing Theoden. So that that was the battle scene they recreated, and that was marked as uh, difficult terrain. That was a hey, question wanna... question for you though. I'm trying to imagine that army makeup. Is there a rule that models and how does don't count towards your bow limit? No, uh, they have to be specified. There's no rule on that. So uh, the great beast is unique in that it allows everybody in the how to have a bow, but that's built into the great beast's profile. So like the so, so the it's, Mumak, it's it's exempt from the bow limit. Yeah. So it specifically says that in the Great Beast profile, I believe that all models are armed with a bow and they do not count towards the bow limit. Okay. All right. I think that says it in the profile because yeah. uh, for the for the uh, Mumak, I have to still calculate a bow limit. Okay. I was just wondering as I was thinking through that, I was like, wait a minute, that's like hundred percent bows. <laughs> yeah. It, it basically was for him. Yeah. It, it feels like. 200 or 300 percent bows to be honest but we'll <laughs> we'll get to that part in a second um so really the last part i'll say about the board is the the middle part so imagine it's a four by four but there's a 
I want to say a six by 12 portion of the board in the middle that's considered difficult terrain. So a great beast is not going to want to go through that. And it's obviously going to be difficult for me to go through it. And it's lengthwise from me to him. So it's, it's, it's really separating the board into two halves. So we, we start deploying. Uh, deployment was unique. And if you remember from our last episode, Mitchell and I were specifically talking about strategies for how to deploy. And so I had in my mind, no matter what, by turn two, I needed to be on the board based on what we already talked about for all the reasons we already talked about. Well, I had the, the unfortunate scenario of Kirdan, which was my third war band, rolling a two on turn two. Oh. And based on my strategy, based on what we'd already talked about, I was going to spend that point of might to make sure Kirdan was on the board turn two. So I spent the point of might. Kirdan comes on. So all of my war bands were deployed without, well, uh, Elendil, Isildur, Gilgalad, they all came on without spending a point of might. It was only Kirdan that had to spend a point of might to come on the board turn two. He deployed all of his war beasts by turn two. I think the Haradrim chieftain actually took a couple more turns to come on, but that was really just two points of might. The Haradrim chieftain was sitting by his mortar war catapult with the, uh, the horn blower. So not really part of his strategy for winning the game. So what was, what, what happened? So he had three great beasts. He ended up deploying three great beasts on one side of this middle piece of difficult terrain two great beasts on the other side. So I counter-deployed with Gilglad to the two war beast side, and I had a Lindel and a Sealdor on the three great beast side. And I was thinking in my mind, a Lindel, a Sealdor, they're strength five heroes. His war beasts are, are D7. So that's an advantage. I'll be able to hopefully try to do some sort of uh, group up or heroic combat or gang up to counter some of these great beasts. And maybe squeak some guys off, but at the worst case, I'll be able to totally neutralize him. I'll break him because all of his orcs, if I kill the great beast, his orcs will fall off. I'll kill the orcs and then we'll, we'll work. We'll work out um, going forward. And I have Kirdan. I have so much magic. As long as I can kill the great beast, I feel like I have a good advantage here. Well, right off the bat, he, uh, he, he, he countered me in a really unique way. So his, his mortar war catapult was in the very back shooting because Kirdan didn't have his point of might i couldn't channel blinding light so every turn i had to make the decision do i cast a magical power or do i cast blinding light for the first turn or two not a really big deal once we got into charge range there was a, a moment in time on the right hand side which was my elendil Asildor against his three three great beast lineup the great beast caught within eight inches so they were th with, they were within trample range, but outside of my counter charge range. Alendo was on horse. I charged him into the great beast because I was like the they were they were kind of sandwiched on top of each other. So I was like, if I charge the guy on the front, then I have the ability to stop him from trampling me if he wins priority at least. So I charged I charged Alendo in. He was against it was one v one him versus a great beast. Everybody else moved forward a little bit so I could. I could hopefully help him the next turn, depending on who wins priority. And so um, 
that was on the right side. The left side was Gilgalad versus the two great beasts. They were they were doing a standoff. His great beasts were charging full on, but they hadn't quite gotten to combat yet. So um, what happened? Actually, I need to pause right there. So wind, rewinding a little bit. Gilgalad was my leader. He had shot. There was a there was an opportunity for him to shoot Gilgalad. He actually hit Gilgalad. There wasn't blinding light because I didn't have blinding light up at the time. And he dehorsed Gilgalad. So Gilgalad's off his horse. Uh-oh. Not no, no wounds. No wounds for victory points. Um, but he was dehorsed. So just clarifying that. That's on the left side. No comments yet. Moving back to the right side. My right side. Uh, there. This turn, I can't remember if it was I failed the blinding light or if I just didn't channel blinding light. I think I... I think I had failed blinding light. So there was no blinding light. Elendil had charged into the great beast. Now there's 30 bows. There's 30 orc bows that can turn and fire at Elendil. Sure enough, they dehorse him. No wounds inflicted, but they do kill his horse. Elendil rolls a one for the throne rider. Mm. <laughs> so at that point, I was I, I, I was thinking, like, like do I... Do I risk it? Do I not? I can't remember. I ended up spending a point of might from a Lendil to make the Throne Rider chest to a two. So I at least was standing for the combat. I charged a great beast, so there was to be no counter charge. I just I didn't want to run the risk of a Lendil losing the combat and then being already prone and having the dice doubled. Just didn't want to risk it. So we sure enough, we go to the fight phase. Elendil flubs a roll. I get like a four high or something crazy. His great beast rolls all his dice, wins the combat. So the point of might was well spent. Um, Elendil takes, I think he takes a wound. So he, he backs up. So I lose the combat, but I do accomplish the overall goal. Even though I lost a horse, I took a wound. I accomplished the goal of stopping his war beast because they're all still one on top of each other. They can't do any material damage with me because they war beasts don't have the chariot rule. They don't have the ability to pivot. They have to do one full move of eight inches. I think there's eight inches. Yeah. Straightforward in one continuous line. So because yeah, I was they able get to one, charge, they get one pivot at the start of their move and then they have to move full movement wherever that is. Yeah. So because I was able to charge when I did, they would either have to forgo an entire turn of trampling or they would have to take an entire, they would have to trample each other. So it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. I still feel pretty good. And Isildur's within charge range. Isildur's still on horse. I've got a bunch of warriors who are in charge range. Okay, that's great. Let's go to the next turn. Next turn, priority happens. And this is where um, my opponent's strategy of conservatism really starts to, I think, shine. He has five great beasts, each with a captain on top of it. But for the entire portion of the game, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you this part. He never, I don't think there was an entire turn where he called heroic move with more than one great beast out of all five. So there are three and two. He never called with more than one the entire game, which is different to me. Cause I would have expected my opponent to want to really be aggressive with the might burn, to try and win the heroic moves because with moves you trample. He played very conservative there. So mm. the next turn, I actually end up winning after the roll-offs. I win priority. I win the ability to move first. Elendil, who is already standing, 
charges back into the war beast right in front of him. Isildur comes to support him. I tie up the other war beast with a model or two. And my thought process was Elendil's, uh, Lindel's D-horse, but he still got the free horse combat. Isildur's on horse, uh, strength five. I'll be able to, if I can play my dice right, I'll be able to kill the war beast here, heroic combat, slingshot into the, the war beast just to the right, um, and do some maximum damage. So I, I cast uh, Enchanted Blades on a sealed door. I tie everybody up, and then we go to right to the fight phase. And the shoot phase, uh, I had Blinding Light up this turn. Nope, I just cast Enchanted Blades. Uh, the shooting really didn't do anything this turn then. Because everybody was still on the horse. He was targeting uh, Sealdor. Nothing material happened. So straight to the fight phase. With the first combat. Heroic combat with uh, Elendil. I called heroic strength with Sealdor. So if you remember right. Elendil uh, already spent a point of might. So he's down to two. Now Elendil's down. Or now Sealdor is down to two points total. Um. But I was like, man, he's got enchanted blades. That would be such a good combat. Like, I could maybe go up to strength uh, eight, seven, as... seven or eight, and that gives me the four plus to wound. That's what I was thinking about. Because I can't trap the war beast because I always back away. I was like, man, four plus to wound would be critical. So that's what I did. End up winning the combat. Higher fight value. He can't strike. I kill the war beast. Great. That's five wounds. That was incredible. Elendil had to spend a point of might. The the key thing that I missed here is after I cast Enchanted Blades on Isildur, I forgot that I cast Enchanted Blades. I didn't mark him with a token. So I went through that first combat, not benefiting oh. from the fact that I, I could reroll failed wounds. That's on me. Whatever. I go into the second combat. So kill the war beast. Everybody does their throne rider check, throne uh, war beast check. They, I guess uh, this would be a good point to call. So we, we had before the game, we talked to the TO and agreed that if the orcs fell out of the war beast, it would only be one, it would only be one strength three hit because the height that the orcs were above their full height on the war beast on average was one. So every orc took one strength three, I think, hit for falling. Which is different than the Mumak, because the Mumak is much higher, obviously. That's but, odd, though, because some of them are perched on yeah. top of the Howda. So that's... Yeah. I mean, some of them are in the pouch, and, and one would be good, but those ones that are on top, boy, I think uh, that'd be two. I'd like to go back and read that, because I think the way the wording is, is it starts out as a strength three, and then for each additional inch it falls, it goes up a strength so, and I don't think it falls only one inch. I, I think it's the the way I remember the wording, and Mitchell, I see you're looking it up right now. But the yeah, way I remember the wording is if the for so the if the model height, if it's every inch above the model's height, and we came before, and this all happened before the game, so there was no mid game contention. There was no mid game um, confusion. You guys had agreed beforehand. Yeah, we, we had yeah. agreed before the game. It was each orc on average would take one strength three hit because, on, again, it was one inch above the model's height falling out of the howdah for the war beast. 
and I see you're looking this up, Mitch, so I'll, I'll give you a second. Okay. Yeah, one second. Sorry. Just trying to figure out where it is. I'll, I'll, While he's doing to... that, it doesn't surprise me that he was being so conservative with the moves because the moves don't affect the other war beasts. So in order to get all of them moving, he'd have to be burning five points of might a turn. Yeah, that's a great call. And that's something I wasn't thinking about ahead of time. So mm -hmm. I was assuming he was going to be super aggressive. So I was aggressive in response. And as as we'll see, I burnt a ton of might on that first sequence of combats because I wanted a Lindel out of his hero combat. I wanted a sealed door to have strength. I burned a Chanted Blades to hopefully maximize that. So I was very aggressive, not really thinking about how conservative he would have to play just because of averages. If he would have lost his one heroic move off, he would have lost all of his ability to trample. So it was, it was really an inexperienced play on my part, I think. Yeah. Cause if he loses one, he's losing five points of might for nothing. Yeah. Three and two on this case, but yeah, I guess I get what you're saying. So in the move phase on page 30, there's the climb table. The climb table is when you have a fall result, you take, you suffer falling damage. So on page 31, it has the falling uh, section. It says a model that falls is knock prone at the base of the surface they have fallen from. If the model has fallen a distance greater than its own height, it immediately suffers a falling damage, one strength, three hit, plus one, one additional strength three hit for every one inch more than its height that has fallen. So this is where when we were playing with the Mumak, it's typical that it's, I think it's four or five inches in addition to the model's height if people fall out of the Howda. So if the Howda dies, that's why the Haradrum, the, Haradrum, the Haradrum warriors usually die on if the Mumak dies because they're taking four or five strength three hits at a low defense. But in this case, the the war beasts are surprisingly low to the ground. So if when we looked at it pregame, again, the, the ruling was on average, they they fell approximately three to four inches, which is one strength, three hit in addition to the orc's height, the orc model height. Okay. So it, but at minimum, it only t it takes two strength, three hits for every orc at minimum. Because it takes a strength three hit for falling, and it takes an additional strength three hit for the one inch it falls. Ooh, then we we screwed that up because we only rolled that we only ruled that it took a strength three hit for falling one inch in addition to its height. Right. So it's it should have been rolling two dice for each orc that fell. Uh, then, then we messed that. I think we messed that up then. Okay. Uh, either either way though. So a Lindel, a steel door plus a warrior or two got into combat with the first war beast, did the heroic combat, had heroic strength, plus enchanted blades, which I forgot about. They killed the war beast. Then they pivoted and went just a few inches to the right, and they charged the second war beast. And this is where things got hairy. So on this war beast, I won the combat, but I wasn't able to put, so five wounds. The war beast has an incredible amount of wounds at D7. And because I kept forgetting to roll enchanted blades with a seal door, I didn't get the I didn't get to maximize my wounds. So at this point, to kill the second war beast, I ended up burning a ton of might. Alendil spent a point of might, so he's down. He's a uh, let's see, one for falling, one for killing. So Alendil's out of might. 
Isildur goes down to one might, and I kill this second war beast. So I've got two war beasts out in one turn, but I've, I've spent an incredible amount of resources. Uh, so it's one war beast left, 10 orcs, plus or minus one or two. I can't remember who died from falling. Um, plus their captains who are now surrounding me. And he deployed his 10 orcs, takes up a huge amount of space, right? So he's got an incredible amount of coverage slash screening for his second, his third war beast, who's still alive, just behind. And then on the other side, Gilgalad versus the two war beasts, they have just entered combat. So nothing, nothing material happens here. So now let's enter the next turn. The next turn his orcs. I'm down on might with Elendil and Isildur. I can't afford to spend the point of might to kind of block. So he's able to lock up people, and then he starts he starts the impact hits. He's got the war beast impact hits against my Numenorean warriors, who are the majority of who I have helping support these two heroes. It doesn't grow great. He kills a decent chunk of people. He's locked up my heroes. Elendil's able to heroic combat, but He's on foot, so he's he's limited in his effectiveness. He has screened, so Elendil can't heroic combat into the war beast. A door gets shot off his horse going into combat, because again, he's still got ten archers shooting down, and he's got one sole target to focus on. Um so that becomes almost a, a stalemate on the right side. Now switching to the left side, we're now in full combat. Gilgalad charges in. Uh, I charge the other war beasts with some warriors, and this starts a unfortunate theme of Gilgalad, who has a banner support by one banner, went with Gilgalad, plus some warriors, plus Lord of the West. He starts losing combats to the great beast, oh. like straight up. <laughs> it's not something he had. He had all his points of might, so it's something I was kind of kind of sitting on. Like, I'll have three points of might. I can either do heroic moves all the time or I can, you know, use my might to in influence the wound rolls and kill the war beast faster. Nope. He, uh, he ends up lo rolling low enough where I can never might to win the combat. And on this case, the first turn, I remember specifically, the war beast actually charged me. So Gilgalad got knocked over. Double strikes, take some leader wounds. That's victory points. He doesn't die, but that's still, that's still victory points. Um, Unfortunate, whatever. I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to stalemate. I'm trying to stall over here because I really think I've invested my the bulk of my warriors on the right side. I'll push through. Let me fast forward to kind of the end of this game. I never get to push through. The war beasts are insanely resilient. The orcs keep kind of creating that screen. So my heroes on the right side, Lindel, Sealdor, they can't get back to the war beast. They can't push forward. They can't do anything because they're constantly under pressure from these 10 orcs that fell off the howda tying me up. I don't have the resources to do anything. The war beast charges through like my middle line, mops up a ton of the warriors at D5. They can't do anything on the left. Gilglad is unfortunately knocked over for a significant portion of the game. He ends up dying. Um, super unfortunate. But at this point, I do what we talked about in our last episode. I do the halftime check. I realize things are just not going my way. I played it wrong. I played it incorrectly. But how can I minimize VP loss? And with the way I looked at it, he has not. He doesn't have anybody off the board because his only people are the in the in the howda. The war beasts, so I have to tie them up. 
I'm broken. My leader's been my leader's been killed. I haven't killed four or five models, right? I guess maybe the the war beast plus four or five models out of his. If he's got five war beasts, that's fifty, fifty-five, fifty-six. He's got somewhere close to sixty models. I can't remember the total count. So I'm not even. It's laughable that I'm going to break him. So as time, I see the time, our, our two and a half hour limits come into a close. I keep trying to tie up the war beast and I, I manage on the left side with four or five inches from the board edge to spare. I tie up the war beast for the last turn of combat to prevent them from running off the board and scoring 10 models off the board. Stop that. Uh, on the right side, I'm totally obliterated. Lendl stays alive, but he's not really trying to run over Lendl because he's trying to push the board edge. Um, so what? Let's let's pause. What is that? That is, he killed a Gogolad from running over slash knocking him over. That's two victory points for killing my leader. He broke me. That's three victory points because I didn't break him. So the final score is five zero. The orcs win. Um, a really rough, but the moral victory for me is I was able to stop him from actually getting off the board. Because if he would have gotten one one of those ward beasts off the board, it would have been twelve zip. Yeah, at that point. So now, it did, was... did it did it time out or did you just play it to where he quartered you so he killed you faster than he expected? Oh, thanks for calling that out, Mitchell. I I think I said the time. No, the real thing was. I lined up a bunch of models. I yeah, I got the quarter. He yeah. quartered me, and I didn't even break him. Yeah. So this was. Thanks for highlighting this. I totally blanked on this. Because um, that was your whole strategic move about minimizing your losses. Is if I quarter the game before he can run a game great beast off, it'll end the game. So yeah, that that I can't believe I blanked on this. So that was the thing. So on the on the right side, Elendil charged like one orc warrior. With his heroic combat lined up, only countercharge one orc warrior. Let the great beast run over some of my guys. On the left side, Gilgalad was already dead. All of my warriors, I charged like one warrior into the great beast. Um, I, I was in, intending to get trampled. So I, I did allow myself to get quartered. I think he he lost track of where we were in the, in the fray. Um, so yeah, it could have been 12 nothing, but. Fortunately, I was able to to help push it to a five nothing loss. So, end it quick. Still right. a major loss. Still got obliterated. But from a grand scheme of things, I was thinking, hey, how do we minimize the VP differential? Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I I looked at that and I was saw five great beasts. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I realized sixty something models with a catapult behind it. I was like, what? <laughs> and he actually had a cool combo going because he had a warhorn from the Harad. So all his great beasts were plus one courage. And he had a catapult to make sure they come towards the great beast. Yeah, if he, but I mean, that's if he got broken, right? He never came. He never got to being broken. So, mm. um, no, he, he played really well. I thought I had the huge advantage. I had strength five heroes. I had free heroic combats. He was D7, which is kind of that sweet spot for the strength five heroes. Alinda was plus one to wound. I had blinding light. I thought pre-game I had a huge advantage here, but because I never got the the plus, uh, I never got to be able to channel blinding light. There were a lot of warrior kills he got throughout the game that helped get me to the break, helped get me to the quarter. 
I didn't have blind light to protect. Even if you're hitting on fives with 50 or 60 bow shots from orcs, you're going to, you're going to rack up quite a, uh, quite a number of kills. So he played, he played really well. He was very conservative. He always had control of the board with the catapult coming over the top. Um, I just got outmatched. I, I never, I have never played that many war beasts. I've, rarely played war beast to begin with but he he really he maximized everything so it it was incredible wow. so well that was that's like a big lesson learned when you play that many war beasts it's kind of like playing mitchell's con the first time when you see the chariots and you're just kind of an overload of what yeah. to do yeah you kind yeah. of you kind of get too focused on one one part of it so yeah that was the bummer. So Matt, you lost game one. I lost game one, and we were going. We were hoping to like run the tables. It's just like, what on earth happens? Yes. So then everything, everything goes to you, Mitch. What was your, uh, what was your game one? Yeah, no pressure. Uh, so recon is still there. Um, I was playing on a Rohan board, uh, which was really cool. There was like it's uh, it looks square. So we're on a four by four board. There's palisades everywhere. There's walls. There's everything. It houses. Looks really cool. Um, one thing to note is that the walls, there was like L-shaped. So there's corner sections, like within three inches of the corner of the board. So either you choose to go left around it or you choose to go right, but that's close to your edge of the board. So there's kind of like channels through. It's, it, it's, it's open-ish, but there's still lots of evenly spaced houses and it's very mirrored. That's one thing I noticed. It's, it was mirrored all the way across, left, right, front, back. So it was the houses and palisades, right? So Yeah, yeah. And you had the wall sections and watchtowers and everything like that scattered throughout. Uh, and then you could run around the outside of it. But it was like opened up. There's lots of spaces to go, but there's a lot of obstacles in the same way. And it was all mirrored. So if there was one on this side, it was exactly one on the opposite side and one across. So very, very uh, balanced board, I would say. Um, so reconnoiter, there's nice law channels, little obstacles, but good channels. What I did notice is that there's great gaps for Treebeard to just plant his 60 millimeter base in and just like plug and say, you're not getting past this spot if I needed to. Um, and so I get assigned an opponent. His name, I believe was Jacob and he was playing the black riders, legendary legion at a thousand points. So right off the bat, I'm thinking, okay, nine models. You've played First, against this army too, right? I have before, played, once before. I have, yeah, I have played against this army a, a couple times. It's weird. It is weird. It's always it's always gone for a weird game. Interesting. It's always different. Um, and so I was playing up against this guy. He had obviously nine models to my 40. And I'm thinking, okay, I have a numbers advantage of getting off the board, but he has the mobility. So we'll see how he rolls to get on the board. Now it's the biggest thing. I wanted to see where the Witch King comes on because VP-wise, it's important for leader kills at this point too. So um, I come on. I actually rolled pretty well. So we talked about burning might right off the bat. I don't think I had to burn any might. I think uh, I think Rumil rolled a one, uh, but he came on exactly the next turn. So end of turn two, he was on. But uh, Galadriel, Celeborn, and Treebeard all came on turn one, which was great. And they kind of, because I didn't know where he was, because I won priority, I I kind of put them in the middle, but in order to fan out pretty fast yeah. because of the, where all those walls were. I couldn't exactly deploy all in the back line. There's too many obstacles. I had to go somewhat in the middle and then kind of blitz and stretch out just a little bit in front of me 
because there was gaps to shoot in order to spread out because that, that was the only place and now I could play board defense. Uh, he came on with only two black riders, I believe. Like, like a lot of them failed to come on turn one. So like... Do they... Sorry, I, I am a little rusty on my uh, Legendary Legion black riders. Do they all count as individual warband? They can't come on together? Correct. Correct. So he had to roll wow. for each one. Ooh. So he, he rolled like three of them maybe it was like three three came on or something like that but like six or seven of them failed. the majority failed to come on including notably the witch king that was the big one so he kind of put them on towards the middle and it gave me a little bit of time to start fanning out a little bit uh turn two most of them came on but notably the witch king did not come on rumil did come on so i'm continuing to fan out uh from you have you have bows to shoot as well so he's got magic but you've got bows to pester him yeah, I do have a little bit of bows to pester him, which I tried to line those up. He was very – because there were so many buildings and everything like that, he was able to avoid most of them. So he kind of tucked them behind. The other thing he was doing was he was calling marches, and that was one thing I forgot. Once we got into – once we got past deployment and coming on and he started calling marches, I keep forgetting that all of the ring rays have march. So he's moving 15 inches, and he's got these three ring rays that are blitzing for my right corner, uh, my right side. And they started blitzing from turn two on. And I was like, okay, no problem. I got Celeborn and a bunch of guards of the Gladrum Court and a Sentinel that are heading out that way. And that's like my that's like a perfect counter for me because I got the Sentinel who can hide behind. There was lots of uh, like uh, fences, which is perfect because they can plant behind, go invisible, and still make me auto-pass courage to charge them. Uh, I got Celeborn out there who can throw some immobilizes, but also like do his hero combats and chant blades, all that stuff. He, and I'm trying to get at them out as fast as possible. And I seriously underestimated how fast he was going to get across the, the board with those three ring rays. So he gets, up, he gets up close, and there came a point where I, we're both merging on this wall. If he gets past me on this wall, he has a clear lane all the way to my board edge. Um, but that's okay, because if I win the uh, priority, I'll be able to body block him so he can't go off that way. He, he seriously got there really, really fast. Um, I won priority, I think. He called a move and a march with both of his ring rates there. And so he won the move off. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And he screamed at Celeborn too, so Celeborn couldn't uh, do anything. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm still okay because he could only get to that gap. He, he, I wasn't able to charge him, but I was still – what I was able to do is I positioned Celeborn perfectly so that he would still be able to call a heroic move and get the next guy six inches in front of him to charge the, the ring rates from there. So I moved everybody up. Uh, and meanwhile, Treebeard and everybody like that's moving on. About turn three or four, it was really late. Finally, the Witch King came on. So the Witch King's way in the back, kind of moving his way forward. The other ring rates are all on. And they're kind of spread out throughout the middle. He's only making really, really a hard push with these three. Uh, I moved Rumil up. I moved Gladril up the middle. Treebeard's kind of moving up. I actually had a cool moment where I actually think I, uh, I did. Uh, I either commanded uh, a ring wraith with Gladril, or I was actually able to get a successful sentinel pull. But I remember there was a time where I was able to pull a ring wraith towards Treebeard. Treebeard charged him, hero combated, and then got within six inches of a few other ring wraiths. And so Treebeard was ready to like wreak havoc. Um, the next turn, if so he passes, crit- if he passes his courage test, I had a sent. I had a sent. Oh, he's okay. courage seven. 
Courage 7 down, and he wasn't within minus 3. He was only minus 1 at the time. But I also had Sentinels. The, my other two Sentinels were behind fences over on the left with side. The, and with the free heroic... With, yeah, yeah, free pass with, courage test. With a free pass courage test and the try to pull okay. them. So I had them like behind fences and they were dictating the battle over there. So the, the next turn comes up and it's very critical because I absolutely need to win this heroic move off between Celeborn and the ring race over on my right side. And I lost it. I lost it again. So I lost the priority roll, the heroic move off twice in a row. He was able to march all three guys off and he got them all off. And I was like, well, okay, that's a bummer. I still have like 40-something models. And this is where it comes in weird every time you play a ring, uh, Black Rider's Legendary Legion. Because now he's considering banishing all his guys. And he said this uh, audibly to me. Um, by the way, the guy was a phenomenal player. I, I had so much fun playing against him. He had a laptop with, a, with an Excel sheet with all his stats and everything like that. Super, that's the way to play that Legendary Legion, just so everybody knows. Like... There was no doubt in my mind what he was telling me. Everything was recorded down to a T. But he started telling me, he's like, so if I banish all my guys this turn, I'll win, right? The game will be over. And so I was like, ooh, that's a really good point. Because it always freaks me out how they can just end the game anytime they want. Um, and I was like, well, let's look at it. So technically, because of the new FAQ, he ran three guys off. Because he ran those three guys off, if he banishes his other six the three guys that ran off still technically count on being on the board. So the game would not end. He, if he banished his other six, the game would still no. go on because he never quartered. He, he would never quarter. Three is not a quarter. Oh, my goodness. Three so, is slightly more than a quarter of his ex army. Exactly. So then he was like, oh, so that's a bummer. And I was like, yeah, that, that is. Um, he said, so I should have ran two off. And kept one on and then banished everybody. I said, well, that would be interesting because that would be in a tie. So at best, if he had ran, because he kept the Witch King off. If he had ran the Witch King and one other guy off, he would have been a victory. But because the Witch King was still on, he would have quartered himself. And I would have gotten five VPs for killing the Witch King and for breaking him without breaking myself. And he would have gotten five points for running double the models off. But wow. because, he ran, because he ran three off, he could never end the game himself. So when that happened and we realized we were doing all the math, he goes, oh, so I should have been playing for the tie at that point. I said, yeah, a little minor mistake because I, you know, again, I didn't even think about him ending the game so fast. But yeah, because he ran three guys off, it was basically over at that point. So I, we played it out and we were both playing it through. I got some Treebeard got in, got some kills off. Rumil killed the Witch King. Uh, and I marched all my guys off. We kind of called it at, after a little bit because he realized I just don't have any way to stopping all 40 of your models from getting off the board. But super fun game, super interesting, made me think. It actually made me panic when he said, so if I banish my guys, the game will end, right? And I went, and then we did the math. I'm like, oh, the three that were run off still count on being towards the, on the board for the sake of, because of the FAQ. So they still count as being on the board. And that's what kept the game from keep going on but if he had run two off right away and then banished himself it would have been a tie game 5-5 so i took the major win 12-0 on that one uh super fun game super interesting um but yeah it made me panic a little bit it, it, I've, it's unbelievable how fast that army is and you're always thinking about okay my heroes are going to get black darted like crazy and all these magic stuff and screamed and it's all up to my warriors and that's where Marcus is talking about my test game. It, it, those guards of the Galadrum Court are like the best counter to the Black Riders Legendary Legion because they're Scourge <laughs> 6, they're Fight yep. 6. They just 
they drive them nuts. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that was an interesting game. Really, really fast game. I think we finished up in like less than an hour or something like that. I can't remember, but, and we kind of hung out for the next hour or so, but it was fun. It was fun. Well, well nicely it, done, dude. It, it, I mean, I don't know how much it played after he ran those three guys off, but your Sentinels on this matchup yeah, yeah. had to have made their money back. Oh yeah. They made their sure. money back. 10 times negative because he was negative like, two courage on everybody or negative three, I guess, maximum. Yeah. And the Sentinels they, auto pass. Yeah. They had their auto pass and they had their Elven cloak. So they were sitting behind a fence, taking shots every turn with their three plus to shoot bow. And then they'd be like, okay, you auto pass to charge. Okay. You auto pass. And then he'd be like, okay, can I black dart them? I'm like, well, you have to get closer than six inches to them. And he just never could. So yeah. the Elven cloak paid off huge combined with the auto pass courage. So three sentinels that one, I was like, thank goodness. I, I brought three <laughs> sentinels in that game. So you Loki went from a five, five possible tie to a 12, nothing win. Yes. 12, nothing win. Oof. Because he ran three off. And it seems so weird. That army's just weird. Um, and we were talking about it too, because he was like, Well, I don't think that they should be and I, I was talking to TOs too, and he's like, I don't think they should be um counted on the board in case you want to do that. You know what I mean? Because you run them off. And I go, I brought up Marcus and I's example of Marcus running off all his Urukai. I said, the problem with, that I have with that is it's not encouraging play. It's encouraging run off and end the game. It's not encouraging combat. Which I'm totally okay with. Yeah, I don't like it. So, <laughs> I, and they have, and right after Marcus did that to me, the FAQ came out and I was like, Ugh. but oh well, it's all good. But yeah, it, it was a really fun game. Super interesting guy. He definitely plays that. He was newer and he had not really played that Legendary Legion much, uh, but he played it great. And I loved, I loved his computer when he was playing the Black Riders. I was like, okay. And then he whipped out a computer with an Excel sheet. I was like, okay, we're good. You know, I don't even need to well, worry about your just, resource just, packages. Just highlighting that a little bit because you have nine models. Each of them have a, a amount of will that is critical for it. Having somebody that, that dedicated to making sure it was played right, you didn't waste any time. I know yeah. you guys finished early, but you didn't waste any time discussing you know did you spend three will or four will with ring yeah. rate number seven or ring rate number six or everybody the, was clearly marked or it the was, screams the screams too because you know there's the might there's the will there's the fate for everybody yeah but there's also the screams on top of it like okay this guy has now used the screams i've marked it on the excel sheet like there was no discrepancy whatsoever i know i, I just like to point that out because that's one of the worries that i have not that anybody's trying to do it it's just very easy when you're keeping track of that many resources and that many numbers that you get confused with one or the other. So he, you were not the only person. I think the, for, through, for all three games, everybody said how pleasant it was to play against the black riders because they never got into a situation where there was confusion on what, what was going on. So yeah. just plugging people who, who spend the time setting the, those things up, goblin town, the ring rates, those weird armies where that type of tracking is important. Um, yeah. Plus one to all of you. Absolutely. So that was my round one. So Matt and I took two major losses. Mitchell, you went 12-0 for a major win. So after yeah. that, the all of our efforts. really on. <laughs> the Durinshaw's reputation. I cut back on the beer after that one. I was like, damn it. It's all on me. <laughs> like, what the hell? No more. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Got to focus for game two. Yeah. So the Durin Show's reputation came down to you for game two. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, that was a nightmare because <laughs> we had a long, we had lunch break after that too. I was like, uh, I got yeah, to think so about it. I had to think about it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So game two, Matt, why don't you start us again? All right. So game two is capture and control. Um, so I was playing on an Osgiliath style board and it's, it's very wide open board except for about seven to maybe eight big buildings that are just one building right in the middle, the rest kind of around the edges. So it was just enough to kind of disrupt movement, but fairly open shooting lanes and moving lanes if you go around the building in the middle. I was playing, I'm going to say, probably the most unique army I've ever played against. So it's a Balrog army. And it continues my trend of facing a lot of Balrogs in major tournaments. <laughs> but when you, when you think about a Balrog army, here's the twist. It was a Balrog leading uh, three, maybe four uh, Warg Marauders. And then he had two uh, Cave Drakes. Then he had the Shadow Lord. Oh, I forgot the, the Balrog also had uh, two Bat Swarms. Then he had a Shadow Lord leading some, uh, what are the Black Numenorean horsemen? Oh, Morgul Knights. Yeah, Morgul Knights. I want to say it was like six Morgul Knights. And one of the Morgul Knights had a banner. So, wow. so you had Morgul Knights with Warg Marauders, marauders. Or Goblin Marauders, yes. Cave Drakes, and the Belrog? Yes. And, bat, and, bat and two swarms. Bat Swarms. And he had to have had a captain to bring the Morgul Knights. Who was bringing right, the, the, the Shadow Lord? The Shadow Lord brought them. The Shadow Lord. What on earth? Yeah. So super strange. Yeah, super strange. So, anyways, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, this is terrifying. Um, but well, hold on and remind us what scenario you're playing for game for game two capture, capture and control. And control. <sighs> Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. So I position my army. So imagine in the middle of the board, there's this piece of terrain. It's like a kind of a ruined cathedral style building, but it's got a platform up on top of it with a staircase. And that's where the center token is, is up on top of that building. And it's a, you know, I'm going to say it's probably a 10 inch wide building in the middle. So as I started deploying, I put my first war band behind that building to see, uh, actually, I just one dropped the Lady of Light behind that building to see what he would do. And he immediately placed the Balrog as far up as he could on my right side of that center center building. So then I, I placed my next war band was Dane's, Dane and his dwarves, and I placed them in a defensive line behind that center building, but with their battle formation facing the Balrog. He then put a cave drake right next to the Balrog and all the marauders and bat swarms. So the next thing I did is I put Thorin still behind the building, but with a battle line facing to my left side of the board to be able to start marching around. 
And then he put down the Shadow Lord and the Morgul Knights. And then I put another warband behind the building, not committing right or left, but where they could go either way. And he put his second Cave Drake and the last Bat Swarm on the, my left side with the Shadow Lord. So he's spread out on both sides of that building. I'm completely behind the building. And we get ready to go. So turn one, I won priority. My line that was on the left side, I marched right into the Morgul Knights and the Cave Drake. And the folks that I had on my right side, I backed up, avoiding the Balrog and the Cave Drake. So with his movement, he had placed his Balrog and his Cave Drake inside of a few little columns that didn't let his base fit through. So he had to swing out and around, which slowed him down. So at the end of movement, I'm still a full, full turn, probably two turns from the Balrog being able to engage, and the Balrog was out of whipping range. And we have a clash on the left-hand side. Wait, pause. How is the Balrog still out of whipping range? Isn't that a 12-inch? Eight-inch. It's an eight-inch lash. Oh, and he, I'm sorry. And he had to back out of the column, so he had to move away from me to get around the column and then in. And I had Got moved it. away five. So he had bubbled. Okay, so he bubbled plus I missed. I, I screwed up the range. Okay. Sorry, yeah. keep going. Okay, so we're immediately in combat on the left side. Um, he had taken his Shadow Lord and thrown a black dart at uh, uh, my leader, uh, Thorin, before I could get Fortify Spirit up on Thorin, because I started by Fortifying Spirit on Dane. Uh, the Black Dart, uh, he tried to cast Black Dart, and he rolled a three, and he spent two points of might with the Shadow Lord to get it to a five. And then he uh, rolled a two and wasn't able to might that up for a wound. Wait, I thought black darts were auto wounds, right? They were no, like basically automatic. Like no, you... strength 10. No, no. For uh, those, Marcus nine. is joking. Strength 9. Strength nine. It's, it's, uh, he's joking about the fact that everybody was in uproar about the auto killing horses. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Nothing goes over my head. I too... <laughs> <laughs> my reflexes are too quick. <laughs> no, black darts are automatic. It's like a two plus to cast. It's an auto wound. Um, Basically, they can insta kill any horse they want now. Yeah, they yeah. never fail the two wound roll, which yeah. has happened against me like it's ninety percent of the time. Yeah, literally more than fifty percent of the time, I've had I've had wraiths failed their two wound roll on the on the black dart wounding of three plus. More than 50% of the time. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, so the, the, there was minimal combats on that first turn, but it, it entailed a cave drake killing a dwarf and Dwalin killing a Morgul knight. So turn one is over. Turn two, uh, he won priority, and he ch charged his cave drake and his Morgul Knights into my dwarves. The Balrog advanced, uh, tried to fiery lash, 
but missed. And his cave drake on the right side just got closer, but they're still probably about five inches away from my line after they're moved. My, my left-hand line, I put Thorin, Dwalin, and Dane onto the cave drake. And he had left his Shadow Lord outside of Galadriel's range, but probably about six inches behind the cave drake on the left-hand side. So I piled onto the cave drake and backed my right-hand side away from the Balrog. So I'm now probably about nine inches away from the Balrog on that right-hand side. So I'm just avoiding and everything's pushing left, but I still have a formation up against the Balrog. Okay. So when it came time for combats, um, you have to remind me, Mitch, I, I think I'm remembering right. The Cave Drake has strike, right? No, it does not. Okay, it's just got strength? Yeah, I believe that's it here. Okay, because I didn't yeah. remember him calling a strike, and so that's why he didn't have y it. Yeah, they don't. They, yeah, it's just strength, and they're one might. Okay. Fight six. So I called a strike with Dwalin, and I called a combat with Thorin for free. Okay. And he, he, he laughed. He goes, well, you might as well call it because it's free. And I said, well, even if it wasn't free, I'm going to call it anyways because this cave drake's about to die. <laughs> and he says, he's got a lot of wounds. And I said, yes, he does. And so I proceeded to win the combat. And I had Dane, Thorin, Dwalin, and about four dwarves with spear supports on the cave drake. And the cave drake was trapped. And so we did Oof. that fight. We did that fight first. And the cave drake went down. And I immediately put Dwalin, Thorin, onto the Shadow Lord out of the heroic combat. Ah, nice. So we did the Shadow Lord fight next. And the Shadow Lord went down. <laughs> what was his reaction? Like, the cave drake just died, got obliterated. He said, well, I was trying to be conservative with the Shadow Lord to keep her out of Galadriel's range. I didn't realize I was going to have a cave drink <laughs> at one shot. So I think I need to rethink conservative. <laughs> um, so at that point, there was some miscellaneous fights with the Morgul Knights, um, kind of 50-50. They did get some kills. I got two more of them, but he's now down to like three Morgul Knights. And nothing else on the left left side he's got all of his bat swarms and warg marauders kind of on the balrog side and the balrog's still a turn away from being able to get into combat so the next turn i can't remember who got priority but i wound up getting warriors onto the middle objective up the stairs i had my back objective covered up with three or four warriors and i had a huge contingent on the left objective He's holding the right objective and his back objective with a bat swarm that turned it over. So at this point, he moves his Balrog towards my line, and I start moving all of my force to position for a charge on the Balrog. I brought Dane back around, keeping him out of the fiery lash, but to keep the fearless bubble up against the Balrog. 
and started sending some goat riders and stuff towards the back objective to turn that over. At this point, he sends both of his bat swarms up onto the middle objective up high on that piece of terrain to start pestering my three dwarves up there that were holding that down. And that turn was mostly just movement. Not a lot happened. The next turn, I charged five warriors into the Balrog to prevent a heroic combat. And then I started taking on the Cave Drake with Dane. The Cave Drake didn't die that turn, but he took a few wounds. And I was able to position warriors on the backside of it so that it would be trapped the next turn up against a big piece of terrain that was on by the back objective. The Balrog killed four dudes, couldn't kill the fifth one, so its heroic combat didn't go off. And the next turn is where something really funny happened. He had his warg marauders behind the Balrog, and he shot through the into the Balrogs or through the Balrogs combat trying to dehorse Dane. And one of his warg marauders wounded the Balrog. <laughs> no way. And it no was just, just like it was one of those moments where strength to bow wounding the Balrog in an in the way. And it was just like, uh, sometimes that's the way it goes. Sixes by sixes through an in the way. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does that count? Does that give you a VP? Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a leader wound. It's a leader wound. Oh, so it doesn't matter if you inflicted the wound. This if the leader takes a wound, period. Yeah. I think I think so. As we'll play the game on, it won't matter either way. But I Got think it, it okay. does count. I think it does count for VPs. It, it does. I think there was an FAQ saying it's wounded. It's wounded. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that turn is over. So imagine most of my force is now up against a Balrog and a cave drake that's on half wounds his bat swarms are up in the middle harassing my warriors i've got thorin and a few dwarves on the left objective i'm covering the back objective the middle objective he's still got the right objective and his back objective but i've now got two goat riders lady of light and a few warriors ready to start pressuring the back objective so he's taking his warg marauders back to to assist with the back uh so the next turn Balrog fiery lashes, kills somebody, gets into combat. I put five warriors on the Balrog again to prevent a heroic combat, and his last cave drake goes down uh, due to Dane and several other dwarves trapping him. Now, at this point is where Lady of Light starts becoming very clutch because he's got these warg marauders in range, and I started doing instill fear on the warg marauders. And just uh, at minus one, backing them away, their full movement. So he's not able to keep, get his warg marauders where he wants. The bat swarms on the middle will not die. And I'm trapping them, but I am not able to wound these things. So his bats are still on full wounds. So I peeled everybody away. I started worrying about numbers on the Balrog. So I peeled everybody away from the left objective except for Thorin who is just sitting on the, back, on the left objective by himself. And everybody else goes towards the Balrog, besides the people that I have trying to take the back objective. Um, next round of combat, the Balrog doesn't roll a six. Uh, I do, with just a bunch of dwarf warriors with spear supports. I think I had five on them, and each dwarf had a spear support. So uh, I put two more wounds on the Balrog that turn. 
Nice. His cave drake's gone. And the rest of the game plays out like this. He takes his two bat swarms and goes and attacks Thorin. Which was actually kind of scary because, you know, he's dealing, I think that's four dice against Thorin's three because Thorin was not getting charges. So I start worrying about Thorin. Um, but I was finally able to uh, bring his numbers down to the point where uh, the game ended naturally. And I wounded his leader three times. I was holding my back objective, the center objective, and my left objective, and his back objective. He still had his right or my right objective. Uh, I broke him. He didn't break me. And there's the VPs. Mm, I would wow. say I'm, I'm underplaying how big the instill fear from Galadriel was, but just, just disrupting his lines and having his warg marauders not be able to charge or go anywhere they wanted was pretty huge with her. Oh, being yeah. That. that is huge. Well played. Man, it's pretty clutch that Thorin was sitting up there. I, I think that's very interesting because I get it. You don't want to feed him one thing at a time. I don't know. I think what I'd end up doing is... Oof, that's tough. I, I would have at least tried to turn it neutral for one turn with one bat swarm. Maybe charge it with only charge Thorin with only one bat swarm and try to turn it neutral. But that's pretty clutch of Thorin to be able to hold that objective all by himself. That was that's huge. Yeah. So game two was a major win for me, and I think here was the here was the final picture. Uh, if you look. The way it worked out is Thorin won the last combat and the bat swarms had to back away and they weren't right. within the end. So or they weren't touching it. Yeah. So you can see he he almost neutralized that. He was trying to get that one with his with his two. Well clarify, so Matt, you've got th this is the battle space. Yeah. He had he had substitute bases for all of his big models, right? Yes. To help with these weird situations where people wouldn't be able to fit in combat combats correct very cool yeah i could see the instill fear being so clutch in that game because any bat swarm that comes near glider or marauder they're like no go opposite and do nothing for a turn yeah well and so i'm i'm not sure who my mvp was it was either galadriel or dane and not because of dane's combat it was because of dane's granting fearless his whole army was was built on this idea of everything caused terror except the bat swarms, and my army just ignores courage tests. So, yeah, that's pretty good. And plus, your army kills. So he has all these D seven D nine monsters with t ten wounds and six wounds and all these things, and you're dropping them. Yeah, I, I it was you know, I, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to my opponent because he was super cool, but it was. Very satisfying to one shot a full health cave drake. That was oh yeah, and not only to one shot it, but to no, I'm gonna heroic combat here, <laughs> and and go get the shadow lord. Yeah, yes. no, that's huge. That's yeah. awesome. Now I will also say this guy had a really cool uh, idea that I'm. He actually made me a few of them while we were there, but he was using pipe cleaner for measurement sticks, and the way they bend to be able to go through bases and see exactly where your measurement, he had three, five, six, eight, 10, and 12 inch pipe cleaners. They are so nice for being able to do nuanced moves. 
and understand how where you can actually get. So huh. I thought that was a good idea. That's a good idea. I like that. Just being able idea. to bend them around a corner and stuff, if you know what I mean. Yeah. A good idea, but I still like our idea of using the one-inch tokens to move out because with the pipe cleaners, you can still cut corners. You can still – you're supposed to put it at the middle of the base, but it's hard to do that. So I agree it's good for general movements, but for the precise movements, I still like our one-inch token idea. Yes, for the really, really precise stuff. But, you know, for the, for the easy to stuff where you're trying to see if you can get around a building – Kind of helps, yeah. Just to speed it up, absolutely. Props on props on you for keeping keeping the uh, Belrog on five uh, warriors, remembering to just overload the hero combats. It's a it's a tried and true strategy. Everybody probably is aware of it, but it's hard to remember to implement it in the clutch. I know this because I recently forgot it. But if somebody has free free hero combats, just feed them more than they can kill. You neutralize the hero combats. It's a it's an amazing play, um, especially against the Belrog. So, or or charge or charge at one and then body block with two others. So at most they can only kill three. Yeah, yeah. Props. I'm not sure the way the math works, but if they if the Belrog gets into two, he's probably going to kill two and then probably get into two more. So likely they're going to kill four. But if you get them up against five, it's very seldom that the Balrog actually kills four models in one dice roll. Exactly, exactly. And, and also win combats, yeah. Well, and with five guys, if he ever loses the combat, he's going to take a wound because five turns into ten. There's no way you don't roll a six by something with ten dice. So, yeah. Well done. Well done. Ironically, I'm trying to think. I'm, so this is now one, two, three... I think this is either the fourth or the fifth time I've played a Balrog. I'm undefeated against Balrogs for some reason, although I, I just fear those greatly. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're scary. They're scary as all get out. The whip, this new edition, the whip, the free hero combats, the fight 10, it's such an intimidating stat line. And you guys haven't even played my Legendary Legion yet. Yeah. And I, I'm that saying in tournaments, I've lost to Mitchell's Balrog in friendly games. Tournaments. <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> I, I'll also point this out too, Matt, because I think this is a big problem that I've been seeing a lot of times. How many of those tournament games have you played where it was a pure Moria force built around the Balrog? This was the first time it was not. Really? Okay. Because I keep seeing like people just throwing in a Balrog with a monster. The, list or it's the yeah. monster mash with the yeah. Balrog. And I always see that, like, yeah. there's a Watcher, there's a Belrog, and then there's Trolls and everything like that. And I'm like, okay. But I think the way it needs to be played is like a, a Moria force built around it. Because you have this big, bad Belrog, and then still 40, 50 goblins. To yeah. deal. Definitely yeah. keep doing that, because I remember it was a really great matchup when Floyd Stonehand played against the Belrog. And <laughs> all the goblins ran away. Let me just say, that would not have happened. <laughs> With my legendary legion now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we're we're digressing. Um, okay, but good game, good game, Matt. Good win. Uh, you're back to the land of the the winning, one and one. Major win, major win, major win. So major win to counteract the counter counter the major loss. So. Uh, okay, rotating. I will take the next game. So I also am coming off a major loss. Turn. Two. This is 
the Lake Town board. So I don't have a picture, unfortunately. I was super bad about taking pictures this entire this entire tournament. But the board was Lake Town, pretty similar to I think a lot of the traditional layouts, houses in the middle with a ring of houses kind of cir- circular around the board with a lot of open space between the, the central house, the outer ring of houses, and the outermost ring of the board. Now, we were talking about special rules or special movement, uh, Matt, on your Goblin Town board. There was some crazy special rules on the Lake Town board. And what it was is they had gangways or walkways. I don't, I'm not sure what you call the, 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 their walkways, but the wooden walkways that are on the lake. So the, the TO ruled that you could move anywhere on the board unimpeded. But if you wanted to go from the water, quote unquote, the, the, the mat to the walkway, you would have to take a climb test. And if you wanted to go from the walkway to the mat, you had to take a climb test. And there were a ton, the, the, the walkways were like spider webs through the entire board. So this was a pretty significant move deterrent because you'd have to roll a six if you wanted to change what portion of the board you are and charge somebody successfully. So right away, this was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a slugfest. I had three heroes who were mounted, Gilglad, Asildur, Lindil. Those mounted bonuses super deterred. So who am I playing against? I'm playing... Um, they I'm playing... rolled that even for the mounted units because it was less than half their height. Yeah, even for the mounted mood, even for the mounted uh, units, the height differential didn't matter because you said it was going from one level to the second level. All models had to take the wow. the climb test. Wow! So so huge. mounted models can't take climb tests, can they? They can take jump tests, which I jump think it tests. would be a, a, a leap test. I mean, I think it would be so a leap test. I I think I I'm probably butchering this, but really what it was, it was a a level differential test. So climb test, leap test, whatever you want to classify it as. If you wanted to move from one to the other, okay, you had to, you had to follow that jump test or climb test result. So it was tough. Um, so, so who was I playing? I was playing uh, Thror's, the army of Thror. It was Thror. It was Dane Ironfoot allied in with a contingent of Iron Hill, Goat Rider, uh, Assortium. Plus Murnindrar. And there were a few other crossbows. So a pretty good, from a model count perspective, pretty decent, very comparable to mine, because I'm also elite. We line up. I Right away, I, I, I start stacking that middle central house, everybody on my side. So I put I put Kirin there, because I figure the bubbles, if I do blinding light, if I do um, uh, any of my, my spells, I can go left or right easily from the central house. I put... Elendil and Gilglad slightly to my right. I put Asildor slightly to my left. And he deploys he deploys Thror slightly to my left. So it's really Thror lined up against Asildor. He puts Dane Ironfoot way off on the right side with all of his goat riders because that was a really open space, not a huge uh, movement penalty, not a huge movement deterrent. So uh, they were way out on the, my right side. And Maroon, Maroon and Drar were more on his middle, but back a little bit because he had some crossbows. So he wanted to line up some potential shots. Also specify, so he had the full assortium of, uh, what, are, what are the Thror's guard called? The Grimhammers who are upgraded? 
Guardians uh, of the King. Yeah, Guardians, Guardians of the King. Thank you. So he had Guardians of the King with Thror. So they remember they have their throwing axes. So he had a ton of throwing weapons. So right off the bat, turn one, I cast channeled uh, blinding light because I didn't want to get butchered by the eighteen throwing weapons that were right in front of me. So on the left side, we have a small choke point. There's some boats. There's a lot of these walkway spider webs. So a lot of movement impeding um, issues. I have a few bowmen. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll wait for him to come through the bottleneck. Cause I feel like if he bottles up, that's to my advantage. I have spirit supports. I can try and do the numbers advantage, higher fight value. I think I like that matchup on my right side. A Lindel and a Sealdor blitz hardcore for Dane Ironfoot. I have a fight nine, Gilgalad, fight seven, uh, a Lindel. I feel like I like that matchup. I'll force him to burn his might. He doesn't have Master of Battle, right? Because this is a Yellow Alliance Thor's army with Dane Ironfoot, I believe. Matt, fact mm. check me on that. Green. This is green, so he does have Master of Battle. Hmm. Yes. Okay. So. Four plus. Four plus Master of Battle. Well. I still like Gilgalad against I still like Gilgalad against that matchup, so I, I charge hard. Um and and push a lot of warriors to the around the middle building, but uh not aggressively playing the middle because a maroon and draw are the crossbows. I don't want to get too carried away. So let's fast forward. There were a f- actually a few turns of movement because of the spider webs, because of how difficult it was to kind of move in a straight line. Uh, first couple turns are uneventful. My blinding light goes off. He can't kill anybody with throwing weapons because he has to hit on sixes. He's not converting those. I think I'm with my few bowmen, I might have gotten a kill or two, nothing crazy. So really shooting's neutralized uh, across the board. So when we finally get to combat, Isildur launches in on the left side against these Guardians of the King. Thror is in a passive mode. He's not leading the charge. He's kind of staying back because, again, there's a building we're fighting around. He's, he's, he pushes guards through the middle, the most uh, straightforward lineup. Uh, Thror is, is supporting from that banner perspective, but also he could still rally um, around to the right and, and help. On my right side, Dane Ironfoot's charge forward. I have... Elenda lined up for charges on Warriors. Gilgalad has line of sight for uh, Dane Ironfoot. We get those charges off. So it's it's Gilgalad versus Dane Ironfoot, Elendil versus Warriors, and then a lot of Elf versus Numenor versus uh, Dwarves in the middle. For Dane Ironfoot, he, I think it was turn one. He loses the combat. He's on his pig. He loses the combat. Gilgalad does two or three wounds right off the bat. D gets him off his pig. So now Dane Ironfoot is stuck on ground. Passes his fate. So he still have he's still alive. But huge victory for me. That's that's the first turn of combat. Great. Huge. The, the strike didn't work. I uh, the fight value worked from in my advantage. Elendil starts mopping up warriors on the very far right side. Now, I just want to emphasize the fact that I had to cross two or three spider webs, depending on where you were, to get all the way to this right side where the goat riders are, where Day and Ironfoot is. So my two big heavy hitters are way off on the side of the board. 
uh, Maroon is in the middle with his spear support. Gerard is still shooting with a couple of the crossbows. They're starting to execute some of those kills. So all of a sudden, he's got a numbers slash power advantage slash positioning advantage in the very middle of the board. And on capture and control, there's a middle objective that he's already controlling. And now he's fanning out to support the objective on my right side, which is where Lindell and Gilgalad are trying to, to kill up these uh, goat riders in Dane Ironfoot. On the left side, his uh, Guardians of the King are getting absolutely stonewalled. They got choked in the middle. My elves are winning. They're not getting a ton of kills, but they're winning that fight with the two attacks. They are winning the, the battle of attrition there. So they're pushing these doors back. A seal door starts going off with the strength five on horse against D7, only needed fives to wound. He's winning combats. He's killing one to two dwarves a turn. And it starts, it starts slow, but it starts snowballing and he starts going all the way left. I'm not trying to push up middle. I'm, I'm flanking all the way to the left to try and get to that left objective. That forces Thror to try and match him. All right. So let's fast forward a little bit. The next round of uh, combat. Again, Dane Ironfoot is alive. Off his pig against Gilgalad. I charge Gilgalad in again. Gilgalad wins the combat. Gilgalad cannot kill Dane Ironfoot. <laughs> I've got a picture of the dice. I've got a picture of the two wounded rolls with the plus one. It's, it's laughable. Um, so Dane Ironfoot, he's on the ground. He, he survives. Alendil is still mopping up some goat riders, um, some warriors on the right side, trying to get the numbers advantage so I can I can hopefully pivot and come back to the middle and win the middle hard. The middle, kind of a stalemate, not a lot happening. Again, this movement, the movement of the spider webs, these walkways going up and down, it's incredible on how much it's limiting uh, numbers advantage traps because if you don't roll that uh, – if you don't get a, a good enough roll, you're not going to be able to move and, and complete your charge. Uh, I start to get on the, on the guardians of the King side, I start to get some numbers advantages because he pushed, he pushed far enough forward. I was able to kind of horseshoe and get around um, and started converting a lot of, oops, sorry, going off, started getting a lot of those kills. Alindal successfully gets all the way around on that flank. And now he is, uh, set up to go 1v1 against Thor. So let's fast forward to that, that, that next turn. Isildur actually ends up launching into Thor. Uh, so he's got the charge bonus. And strength 5. And strength 5. I call one of the craziest... Well, uh, not craziest, because I did it the game before. I call the heroic strength. Isildur... He to get has away his, from the 6s by 4s. Yep. But it's just sixes no, for sealed door. No, just sixes because strength five versus D nine. Just sixes for sealed door. Oh, okay. So yeah. he uh, he calls the heroic strength, gets it to strength. Uh, he gets it strength seven or eight. I can't remember which one it was, but he gets to fives to wound. He gets he thrower strikes, doesn't win the combat. So a sealed door wins a combat, knocks him over. That's eight dice, team, fives to wound. Ends up killing thrower. Thor doesn't get his uh, his fate. He he misses the Arkenstone. Let's his out. Thor dies. So okay, I've got the leader kill. Isildur's on the flank. Now it's only some warriors in his way. Feeling good about that. 
going back to Gilgalad for the third turn, Gilgalad fails to kill Dane Ironfoot, <laughs> who's sitting on one wound. Can't can't get the kill. Uh, Lindell is still mopping up. He mops up the last of the guild riders, goes into some warriors. I feel good about the right side, except for the fact that Gilgalad's so far out of position because he's he's way off on the right hand of the corner of the board. Uh, this is it's it's not very effective. Okay, so uh, next turn again, still converting that middle, trying to tie people up. Uh, a sealed door successfully after killing Thor successfully pushes through on the left side. He is now fighting on the objective. So I have the objective on the left side. I win this. He's still killing these dwarves uh, really consistently because of that. Again, that strength five sitting on the objective, the middle part, I can't win the middle part because he's got the numbers advantage. I'm out of position with this walkway. Alendal finally comes to help. He keeps getting bogged down because he can't, move up and over these walkways as fast as I would like him to. Um, so turn four of combat, Gilgalad finally kills Dane Ironfoot, but he is the bottom right of my board. If I'm thinking of that four by four, he is so he's like three turns away from the nearest model at this point because he's so far out of position. So he, uh, he kills Dane Ironfoot. He starts pivoting back. Um, instead of pivoting, I just, I decided to kind of go for broke a little bit. I run Gilgalad up the right side of the board, kind of where Dane Ironfoot came from, thinking that I could run an L-shape to get to the back objective, uh, pressure it. Because going up and over these gangways, there was probably three or four walkways between him and the rest of the combats, which would have just totally neutered his move phases. So let me fast forward. So the middle quickly turns into a, a numbers game on my benefit because... Alindal is tying up some people. The hero combat's helping me move. I have the fight value advantage, uh, the elven made weapon advantage, so I'm kind of negating uh, Maroon's advantage from a fight value, and and he's the captain, right, with spear support. So I'm winning that. I get to the, I I kill some of the warriors. I get to the middle objective. I flip the middle. So now I have left, middle, my back, and I have the right, and so now I'm just pushing for the back his back objective and honestly about that time we we have the game end so i believe correct me if i'm wrong this one ends uh once somebody breaks you start rolling uh yes one or two so yes one or two so gilglad was if gilglad ended up being within a turn of charging onto the back objective and we started rolling because he broke we started rolling to see if the game ended and the game ended. So I had, when the game ended, I had left, middle, right, my back. I broke him, killed the enemy leader. Ten I think I'm points. counting, I'm, I'm counting something wrong. Cause that's, I listed too many objective points there, but yeah, it was, it was a 10, nothing victory. Yeah. Cause 10. he didn't, he didn't break me. He didn't wound my enemy leader and he didn't hold any of the objectives. Actually, is that possible? No, he would have had his back objective, so it was 10-2. Yeah, he must have tagged it on the beginning and then ran. Yeah, it was 10-2. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Nicely done, back in the win column. Back in the win column. MVP, absolutely a sealed door. A sealed door with strength 5 against the dwarves. This is where it shined. The D7, which was normally amazing, having somebody on a horse with strength 5, a higher fight value, just rolling over. 
Um, it, absolutely. He, he, he outkilled Gilgalad and Alindal combined this game. And what's amazing about him is um, people don't realize is on horse, he's 135 points. Yeah. And that's with a shield too. So on horse and a shield, he's 135 points. And and I didn't have him with a shield. So yeah, only 130 points. He killed Thror. He killed, I want to say, six to eight dwarf warriors, which are guardians of the king. Yeah. By himself. Yeah, he's just over insane. the course of the game. That's a he had a huge points kill. Um, definitely the MVP. Yeah, insane. Wow, very well done. Very well done. So, so you guys both took two wins in round two. Very major nice. We just needed to play in the win. loser bracket, and then we yeah. can win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that'll segue, I guess, into my game. Um, so I had the 12-0 victory on the first round. So obviously I know I'm playing a good opponent. The next round, it's round two. I'm playing on the, uh, uh, the Minas Tirith board. So it's white cobblestone everywhere. There's basically, I think... Um, do, you have, do you have a picture for this one? I saw some I, pictures earlier. I, I don't think... Well, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't have a picture, no. But it's white cobblestone everywhere. There's like six big buildings basically set out throughout. And then there's this giant wall of Minas Tirith that goes on the left side of the board. So there's this giant wall, which actually does play into, into the game. Uh, I am facing John, John Stokes, and he is running a, a little bit of a mix of uh, uh, Azog's Hunters with Dol Guldur. With uh, the Denzians of Mirkwood. Dark Denzians yep. or whatever. Yeah. So he has Bulg and 44 Hunter Orcs. <laughs> uh, Wait, what? 44 hunter, hunter Orcs, I think, yeah. Oh, my it's God. Like so 40... He's running them without their army bonus? Uh, correct. I think oh. so, yes. Interesting. Uh, yeah. What's their it's... army bonus, Matt? Uh, your... Archers get a plus one to shoot or to hit. Oh, yeah. And it, no, and it he, lets you take them up to 50% bows, I think. He ran them all strictly for their combat advantage. So he had bulk. He had 40-something. Maybe it was only like 42, but it was definitely above 40 hunter orcs. He had the Lingering Shadow, the Witch King, and I think it was the Forsaken mm. as his three uh, Nazgul. What's the uh, Forsaken? So the Lingering Shadow oh, gets oh, oh, to the... Sorry. The Forsaken gets to reroll all failed wounds with this Trident Spear. I, I apologize, too. This is taken in the... Um, all taken in the uh, Dulguldur. So it's not even Azog's Hunters. It's all in Dulguldur. Because the, they can lead the Hunter Orcs, correct? Uh, they can lead Hunter Orcs, but Bulg has to come in either Azog's Legion or... So... I, I'll bet he was doing Azog's Hunters allied with Dolgoldor in a green alliance, and he was taking spiders and wargs from Dolgoldor. As long no, as he didn't have he had, bats in there. He did have bats. Spider queen. He had a spider queen and bat swarms. All right, then so it's the, a yellow alliance. So it's yellow, yellow okay. alliance. I, I remember he didn't have the master of battle, um, and so I thought maybe it was either from a yellow, yellow alliance or a different list that Bulg was yeah. taking. But, so he had Bulg, those three Nazgul, the 40-something Hunter Orcs, then he had the 
Just Pause really quick, Mitchell. So the, the Lingering Shadow gives you the three-inch movement pre-priority. The yep. Witch King has the extra point of might. Yep. And then, Matt, you said the the Forsaken <laughs> give all all failed re-rolls for wounds. wounds. Yeah, which which is odd. Usually you see a uh, Slayer of Men for the pl- for the plus, plus one to wound. Plus one to wound, okay. So he's yeah. he's got a unique take on this already. Yeah, so he, he had that one. He had the Spider Queen on top of that with... I think it was two giant spiders and then two bat swarms and then like three or four wargs. Just normal wargs uh, or fell wargs or whatever. Fell wargs? Yeah, I think. Riders or just fell wargs, wild wargs? wargs. Just wargs, wild wargs. Whatever's in the Denzians list. Um, So we deploy its capture and control. So it's a big deal. I only have 40 models. So he has the attacks advantage. He's got all these numbers advantage. Um, the one thing I do have against him is that he has low courage on everything. So obviously he has hunter orcs. He has bat swarms. Spider queen's only courage four. Bulg is courage five. Then that was his highest courage model. So I'm thinking, okay, I have the sentinels. I can play a lot of defense here. We'll see what happens. I have the elves. All my elven-made weapons in fight six is really going to pay off because the elven-made weapons against all his Nazgul will really help getting a minus one to his resurrection roll. Uh, I have, yeah, the fight six, and I have Treebeard. So a hurl with Treebeard against Hunterworks, I've seen at work before. It does great. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, who'd you see? No, okay. <laughs> so I was like, Matt's, okay. Matt's turning angry already. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. All right, so uh, I deploy. It's kind of a somewhat standard deployment. He deploys all on the front line. I deploy all on the front line. He stretches from basically board edge to board edge almost. There was a building on my right side, but he kind of went all the way up to that building, and he stretched all the way to the left. Interesting notes. He has Balg behind his line on his warg, and he's back on my kind of center right. That's kind of where he is. Okay. He has the Spider Queen. The spiders, the bat swarms, and the wargs all the way to the left up against the wall of Minas Tirith. Okay? And there's a, there's, a, there's a little building there with columns that isn't big enough for big bases. It's only small bases. So I kind of deploy in a, like a, in a straight line, and I actually leave Treebeard tons and tons of room in the middle because I want to make sure he has plenty of space to move and line up all the hurls he needs to do. Um, I space out my sentinels well, well back away from threat range, but being able to do what they want and Galadriel's on my center left. Celeborn is all the way on the right and all of his Nazgul are deployed with the hunter orcs right in the middle down the line. Everything's there. So turn one comes and I think I win priority. He does not call any heroic actions if I remember right. Uh, so I move up. I charge Treebeard in uh, I think to one or two guys I kind of clash with all my elves as much as I can Celeborn pops an enchanted blades on himself and charges two hunter orcs with a couple of pikes behind him to make sure he has the attacks behind him I make sure that every single ringwraith I charge at oh that's what Celeborn, Celeborn charged a ringwraith sorry, sorry he didn't charge the orcs yet, he charged a ringwraith and to put an enchanted blade himself, made sure he had plenty of guys behind him. And all the other the other two Nazgul, I made sure I had a uh, a guard of the Gladrum Court 
supporting that fight to make sure I was had a higher fight than all of his Nazgul. And I tried to tie up as much of his hunter works as possible. Now the fun begins. On the left side, I noticed that he placed all of his big bases from his Spider Queen, his Bat Swarms, and his Wargs all really tight together, and they actually didn't have very much room to move. So what I did with Rumil on the far left is I kind of charged up to take that objective, and I charged a couple of Hunter Orcs. And with my two Sentinels, I took control of a Bat Swarm and a Warg, and I pinned his Spider Queen and all of his giant spiders and his wargs on that left side. They couldn't move anywhere. They were just like Ooh. either move. They could either move backwards or nowhere else. They couldn't go anywhere. I, I because, was able to like because of your terror check, right? Because of yeah. your fell light within him spell. Yes. Yeah. So I basically took a bat swarm from over here and plopped it in front over here. Now he can't move that bat swarm. On top of that, it's blocking movement from his spider yep. queen. And I took control of a fell warg in front of here and kind of pinned it in front of here. And that way, th the spider queen couldn't move left. It, his giant spiders couldn't move left. He could try to still fly his bat swarm over, but it was just one bat swarm Got it. Uh, and stuff like that. And then my sentinels were still protected. And then the big move was Galadriel moved a little bit up and commanded Balg, and Balg went five inches directly away from me. I was like, just Ooh. go that way. Because, I mean, Bolg, I think, is Courage 5. The Spider Queen's got to be Courage 4, I think. And then everybody else is Courage 3 or 2. Correct. Yep. So, so, uh, so turn juicy. 1. All juicy. Of my all of my heroes, except for Gladrill, are in combat. Balg, Spider Queen, are not in combat. And his three ring race are in combat, but at a fight disadvantage. And one of them's facing Celeborn with an elven-made weapon. Go through combat. I don't think shooting did much. He counter-moved. This is important. He counter-moved uh, to fill in as much as he could. But he actually blitzed like four or five hunter orcs past Treebeard. Because like I said, I gave him plenty of room. He blitzed like four or five hunter orcs past Treebeard. And, but still in a line. So once he was done moving, I asked him at the start of combat. I said, hey, if Treebeard were to call a hero combat and kill his two guys, could he then move back? in position to where he could hurl down the line and kill all, you know, knock over all your hunter works that you've lined up here. And we measured it out. And he goes, yeah, I would agree that he can do that. That's a cool move. So I did call that hero combat with Treebeard. Treebeard did kill those two guys in front of him, went back. And I had this nice juicy hurl that I love to do with uh, Treebeard and Treebeard lost the combat. Treebeard against, lost the combat against, against how, one, how many orcs? One hunter work. Yeah. No. Yeah. And on top of that, I took a wound. So I, I, I think I failed. <laughs> I, I, I think I failed my first fate, but I passed my second fate. So not only did I lose the combat to hurl down the line to get that nice, juicy four or five hunter orcs knocked over with a strength three, you know, I, I took a wound, which I was able to fate on my second try or something like that. Uh, Celeborn, however, if if anybody doubts Celeborn's ability, this game should prove it because Celeborn. Hero combated as well. Killed the end. The, I think it was the, uh, the Forsaken that was in front of him. And I think Wait, he failed his... Yeah, mm. so like, well, well, reduced him down to zero. And I think after that, he failed his resurrection roll. Because he had that elven-made weapon on top of it. And so they're missing the Necromancer and an elven-made weapon. So he's needing four pluses every time he dies. Correct. And he Which kept rolling... 
Yeah, he was trying to save his uh, might for that, but he rolled ones. He rolled a one on that one. Nice. So, so not only did I get a hero combat off, Celeborn then went into two more hunter orcs, killed those two hunter orcs. He killed the ring wraith and the two hunter orcs, and we found out that that ring wraith never came back. So really cool. Uh, over on the left, the Witch King lost the combat against my Guard of the Galadrum Court, thanks to the fight value advantage. But I think I killed the Witch King, but the Witch King was able to come back the next turn or something like that. I can't remember. Or maybe I didn't kill him. I can't remember, because the Witch King kind of stayed there. So a, a, a stall for worst yeah. case scenario. Yeah. Um, so, and then the other combat with the other Ringwraith, I think, was pretty similar. It was the uh, the one that pops up three inches somewhere else. Where was that one? Uh, what's Lingering that one? Shadow. Lingering Shadow. I think that was it. Yeah. So he he survived too. So turn one ends. I did pretty good on the kill count actually because I had really made sure I was two on one for all the hunter work. So it was a 2v2, but I had the fight value advantage and I was wounding him a lot easier. So I, I racked up a good amount of kills. Treebeard lost his combat, which is a bummer. Okay. We're okay. So turn two. I call. I think I had to call a heroic move. Something happened where Gladrill called a heroic move because I really wanted to maintain that the Spider Queen can't go anywhere and that Bog can't go anywhere. So I think what ended up happening was I think Gladrill was just out of range for uh, immobilizing Bog. I was like, okay, I'm okay here. So I think she immobilized the Spider Queen, I think. And then I still did the Sentinel's tricks of moving his bat swarms to pin his other guys and just make him not be able to charge. Oh, interesting note too. Ruma lost his combat on the left side and took a wound. There you go. Even with his parry rule against Hunter Orcs. So that's an interesting Hunter Orcs note. are obliterating you. Uh, in, against my heroes, yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I reposition all this. And Celeborn actually was able to come in and say, okay, Gladril wasn't able to immobilize Balg. I'll immobilize Balg. I rolled a single will and rolled a six, and I immobilized Balg. He didn't even try to resist. He was like, okay, I'm going to save my will because Gladril's still around. So Balg is still frozen. Spider Queen is still frozen. He's lost one of his ring wraiths. The Abyssal Knight popped up three inches behind my line is trying to head towards my back objective. Um, and the Witch King is still tied up against all my fight six. Treebeard is playing conservative because I don't want him to take any wounds. So I only charge two hunter works. That's it. Right. And I have a banner. Just so you know, I have a banner following Treebeard the entire game. The entire game. He's following Treebeard. Okay. Let's fast forward a little bit. Combats go through. I think I killed the Witch King and the Witch King failed his resurrection roll again. Because again, it's a four plus and he rolled a one, I think. So I think somehow the Witch King had died. So he's down to one ring wraith. Celeborn killed another, he did another hero combat and killed like four more uh, hunter orcs, something ridiculous with his Lord of the West. His Lord of the West was huge. And he, Treebeard lost his combat and took a, another wound or two. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Ruma lost his combat on wait, the far wait. left. Wait, what? Yeah, Treebeard so lost Ru his combat So again. Treebeard, did you have to start rolling fate? Because he's dead now. No, yeah, I, I was rolling fate the entire time. So I burned my last fate, and I think I'm down to three wounds with Treebeard. So, like, all my fate's gone, but I think I'm at three wounds with Treebeard at this Against point. Against Hunter Orcs. Against Hunter Orcs, correct. On the nice. far left, Rumil is just charging one guy now, because I'm just, okay, just kill. I got to keep killing things uh, to make sure I take over this left objective. 
And Rumo loses combat because he rolled a three high. So Perry didn't help me there either. And took another wound. So Rumo has one wound now. No fate. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm still okay. Uh, turn three happens. And Galadriel was able to now get into position. I think she immobilized Balg. Or maybe Balg was finally able to come up a little bit. But basically, it's a blood map. Just so you know. Elves are dying. Hunterworks are dying. We're both losing lots of models at this point. Um, his So far, his Spider Queen and Balg have not been in combat. And he's lost two Ringwraiths. And he only has one left. Uh, keep fast forwarding a little bit. Uh... I, I'm going to fast forward a, uh, maybe a turn or two. Basically, the same thing keeps happening. Uh, eventually, what he figured out he could do with his spiders, because he saw like one or two turns of them doing nothing, he goes, okay, this can't, this can't keep going. So he, he asked the TO, and he talked to me. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. He was able to climb the spiders up the wall of the Minas Tirith wall and get them around and get them down. So he's finally going around his own models and my guard of Gladrum court that was kind of body blocking that edge and he was able to get them around. So now I'm starting to lose the flanks. I really need Treebeard and Celeborn to start racking up some kills here so I can break him. And my Sentinels are still like controlling his banner was up here and I ran his banner away. His bat swarms were running away. Galadriel was commanding and immobilizing. It was great. It was working great. Celeborn's racked up like six kills at this point. Um, fast forward a few turns. I won't bore you too much. He finally breaks me. And he had this interesting combat where he charged three hunter orcs into Treebeard on one side and Balg on the other side of Treebeard. He finally got Balg into combat. Balg's first combat was against Treebeard. And Treebeard has no fate left. And I think he only ha he has no might left too, I think. I can't remember at this point. Um... And so as a desperate act of, like, just keeping things together, I actually hold the right objective. Kellerboard's completely taken over the right objective himself. So he's charged two, two hunter orcs, but he's captured that objective. The middle objective I actually control because I killed the Witch King, but hunter orcs are bearing down and I'm losing numbers in the middle. Treebeard's in the right center, and he's now trapped with Balg with, and three hunter orcs. Galadriel's actually threatened to get charged because that uh, I, somehow the Ringwraith made it around and started threatening my back objective. And I think a bat swarm started charging Galadriel or something like that. She got tied up. The Spider Queen has now finally entered combat against warriors. Uh, Rumil has died because he lost his third combat in a row, even with the parry. And I actually shielded on the last one. Oof. And he still, I shielded and still lost the combat and he died. So Rumil did absolutely nothing. Uh, Celeborn, in a last das uh, desperate act of trying to keep things together, he's been bossed the Last all desperate game. act of desperation. Exactly. Exactly. However many redundancies. So for redundancy, let's say it a couple, let's say it again. He hero combats. He's against two hunter orcs, no enchanted blades, just Lord of the West. Hero combats with his last point of might. Kills the two hunter orcs in front of him, and he charges Bulg. So Balg has a charge off, and it basically was, I don't want my leader to die because my leader is VPs, and I also don't want um, uh, you to lose my only, I don't want to lose my only barge in the force because capture and control, very important for barge. I was thinking last turn, Desperate Act. Balg kills uh, oh, Teleborn. Yeah. 
Bald kills Celeborn. Yes, exactly. This is desperate. If we, if for, if for anybody who doesn't know, this is desperate. So, <laughs> is it desperation or is it desperate? Uh, you know, it might be desperate desperation. Just... It might be desperate desperation at this point. All right. So, uh, so Celeborn dies. He actually got one punch by Bald. I was like, "Yep, that's exactly what I wanted. Not what I wanted, but that's you, exactly what I was you, planning." Did you strike? No, I combated to save Treebeard. He was peeling Bolg off a of Treebeard. I was peeling Bolg off to, off of Treebeard. So I guess hold on a second. I gotta think about this. You said it, but I wasn't thinking critically. So if you combated, you did the heroic sacrifice. Yes, it was a heroic that's sacrifice. What, that's what happened. But yes. why wouldn't so Bulgs only fight seven? Why with the elven weapon? Why wouldn't you have struck? He would because have that combat. He had because to get out of a combat to get into Bulg. Celeborn was tied up by two hundred orcs, and oh, Bulg had charged Treebeard. I'm sorry, I got that totally out of. I thought that was last turn. Okay, sorry. So you combated into Bulg to peel him off. My yes. bad. Please continue. And sacrifice. Yep. So, please continue. So Celeborn's dead. He killed like eight or nine hunter orcs all by himself, and yeah. and plus uh, plus one of the ring rays. Uh, I was like, okay, that's fine. My leader still has three wounds. He's technically still trapped, but at least he's not fighting Bulg. He's fighting three hunter orcs. Just one six. I'll get out of this situation. I'll be ready to banner? move on with a banner. Up. Still, still have a banner. Lost the combat. Took two wounds. Treebeard now has one wound left. <laughs> okay. One wound remaining. He's still okay. He's one wound remaining. I, uh, just an F update on the objectives. I am now like one or two models on the center objective. I have like one, like three models on the left objective. The Spider Queen has now made her way to charge Galadriel. So Galadriel's been pinned down by the Spider Queen. He has the last Ring Wraith on my back objective. And actually, I had to start peeling guys. I had the that ring wraith trapped like two or three turns in a row with my elven made weapons. And it just came back. It always came back with its resurrection roll. It, it was doing well. So uh, either winning the fight or coming back. Um, the one that I really needed to kill. Um, so now we're looking at probably the last turn of the game. Okay. I, if I survive, I think he killed... Uh, all but one of my guys on my back objective. If I survive on that objective, it goes neutral. I have one or two guys on the left objective. If they survive, it'll probably go neutral. I have one guy left on the middle objective. If he survives, it'll stay uh, neutral. And it all comes down to Treebeard, because I won priority. He was out of might. So I was able to tag Bulg. Bulg wasn't able to charge. I moved Treebeard to the right objective that Celeborn had just abandoned because he had just bodied it up with a, a, a few wargs. He had, Celeborn had charged, or not Celeborn, sorry, Treebeard had charged two hunter orcs and he had one more hunter orc on the objective. Okay? So what I was trying to do was if Treebeard wins, he can barge the other two out of the way, charge the last guy on the objective and take over the objective. And as long as I can survive, there's a chance I either take the control of them or they go neutral. So we'll start with tree beards because I think that's the so, funniest. So the, so hold on. So best case scenario, all of the objectives go neutral. No, uh, not no. best case scenario. Best uh, case scenario, four out of the five go neutral. 
and then you take one of them. Which I think he had his back. So three of the five go neutral. Um, and that's if he backs away. I, I think actually best case scenario is I was going to kill his because he only had the ring wraith on there and I had the elven made weapon still and stuff like that. So there's a chance I could still kill his ring wraith. It's one on one on the middle objective. Yeah, that's best case. It goes neutral. And on the left, left side, the best case it goes neutral. So Tree best, beard, case, best scenario, case you win that one and take okay. over the right side. And Got best it. case is I win the back one and take over my back objective. Got it. Yep. So I'm, we'll I'm, start. I'm, we'll. We'll, we'll start with the left side. I lose. I die. No, the left side, I actually did take it neutral. That actually worked out because I was shielding. Sorry. Left side, I shielded. I won. That one went neutral. Okay. Center objective. I shielded. I lost. I died. He took it over. Okay. So now he has his back objective and the middle one. My back objective, I was going for the kill because I really needed to take over the objective. I won. I failed to kill. So it went neutral. Okay. So he has two objectives and now there's two no, no neutral. Two two, two zero. Neutral. Two zero. Now Treebeard. Oh, by the way, Balg I think lost his combat against my single warrior, which I thought was funny. Um so Balg <laughs> uh so this this it does end up being the last turn of the game, just so you know. So Balg's only kill and only combat really of the game was against Celeborn, which he killed. That is it. Balg was basically not a factor at all in this game. And the Spider Queen did end up killing Gladril, but that was basically her only kill the entire game. So now, what did I sink a, uh, a fifth of my points of this thousand points into was Treebeard. So let's see what he does. Does he redeem himself? And he barges these two guys off the objective, takes over the last objective, capitalizes, in which case I think it was going to actually be close to a... I think it would still be a loss for me. I was hoping to take over that back objective. Shoot. So it would be... It would be really close. It would be really close. It would be really... It was... Were it you was broken? A, was he broken at this point in time? I, I just... I think we broke each other at that point. So it was really... So it might have been five to three if you would have broke... If you would have gotten this last objective. A minor I loss. think so. Yeah, I think so. Plus and I was hoping... Wounds, maybe six, three, something like that. It was really, really close. Treebeard lost his combat and died. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> the first so. Yeah. No, the one, uh. the, not even the combat to barge them out of the way. It was the combat to barge them out of the way. I didn't even get into the one to take over the objective. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I, I took three. Money back. Yeah. I know. I took Treebeard in this entire... I was telling him... So, John, by the way, this was my favorite game of the entire weekend. So much fun. We were on the same page the entire game. Like, yeah, that may, totally makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't. Rolling. We were laughing about everything. We were laughing about the Treebeard. We laughed about Rumil. All these things. We were laughing about the fact that Bulg hasn't done a single thing the entire game. Like, all these things we were laughing about. And then the epic conclusion in the end, he just was like, man, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah. It happens. And I actually took it fairly well, which I was surprised at. I took it fairly well. But I took Treebeard. This entire reason of taking Treebeard was to prove that he was good. And he was the main reason I lost this game. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, 200 points of absolutely nothing, losing to orcs and dying. <laughs> like, he never even fought a hero. He how never fought Bolt. Only hunter many... orcs fought him. And he died to hunter orcs. <laughs> how many... Not even trapped. How many hunter orcs? How many points are hunter orcs? Seven, uh, eight. Eight, eight points. Point hunter orcs. Yeah. Sixteen points killed Treebeard. 
Yeah, basically. How does yeah. that make you feel? Uh, I was. At, uh, we shared a good beer and we had a few laughs about it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all we could do. But no, that was a that was an extremely close game because um, he he was able to get the hunter orcs in the last two turns and really topple my numbers, which took over. I was able to make the left side objective neutral, but I was somewhat winning that one. I was kind of hoping to take that one over, but that's okay. Neutral was still a good win for me. I had a good numbers advantage in the middle. And because Treebeard didn't win any fights and didn't kill anything, he just kind of swarmed the middle, and my elves just couldn't withstand it. I was really banking on Treebeard racking up at least, like, six kills, like, five or six kills. Like, even that would have helped me win the middle objective. But because Treebeard didn't kill anything, he killed, like, the the two orcs at the very, very beginning of the game that hero combated off to to do the hurl but after that he didn't do anything so i really really was banking on him killing some things like Celeborn killed like eight like at least eight hunter orcs all by himself and took over the right side objective all by himself before he had to sacrifice them in a desperate move of desperation he had to uh sacrifice himself but for uh, yeah for <laughs> tree beard uh, Wait, but so i in in the end, he toppled the middle and took over the middle objective. And the back one was a pain because he had that stupid uh, ring wraith that was just popping up and, and got all the way to my back objective. And that was the one I really needed to kill, and that's the one I couldn't. So what was the final score? Uh, I gave him 12-0 at that point because we rolled, and the game was uh, – we rolled the one, the two, and I think we rolled a four or something like that. So the game was continuing. I'm like – I got nothing now. I was hoping for the game to end at that point. Uh, now that Treebeard's dead, uh, Celeborn's dead, Galadriel's dead, Rumil's dead, like, got I got nothing at this point. I was like, it, it all toppled on me on the last, like, turn so, or two. Would it have been better for you to keep Celeborn on the objective versus trying to sacrifice him to save Treebeard? No, I'd because 20, he, 20. he, I mean. Because you have the, Bol did, did Bolg have might to strike? Yes, he did. Did Treebeard have might to strike? No. Okay, so Bulg likely would have won the fight, so Treebeard likely would have died that turn. Oh, absolutely, yes. Because he would have piercing striked with Bulg and wounding Treebeard on fours. Or fives, I mean. Sorry. No, I think he does uh, get a burly two-handed. He's, yeah, he's burly two-handed, so yeah. Yeah, been fours. So three wounds with Bulg alone, needing on eight dice, needing three four-pluses, Treebeard would have died. Yeah, so so sacrificing was a smart. Okay, and I, and then I sacrificed, and I had my fight eight barging monster still. Like that's yeah. that was the play I was doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, man, that's rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. So you go from twelve twelve nothing victory to twelve nothing loss. Yes. <laughs> Tale yes. of two games. Yep. Tale of two games. It was complete opposite. So now we're all one and one. That's over. Yeah, way way to maintain our reputation as the Durant show. I, I just promptly, I didn't want I, I didn't want to leave you guys too much the... in the dust, so <laughs> I I decided to pull up, you know, put pump the brakes a little bit, you know, uh, keep it. I didn't want to embarrass you guys, so you know. We appreciate that, Mitchell. Thank you. Yeah. Make us look better. No, but kudos to John. Like I said, that was my favorite game of the whole weekend. Um, super fun guy. He well played by him. I got. I mean, it was there was no complications at all in that game. It was fun all the way through. He had a unique army, and it was just that's how it went. So going into round three, why don't I kick this off? Uh, it'll be what was my matchup? This was cool because I was the recorded game. They were recording one game or one round, uh, one game per round, and 
my table got selected randomly. I think everybody else was like already started. We were a little bit late to the game. So uh, it was my, um, I'm trying to think, sorry. What was, it was the ogre. It was the huge ogre and troll list with Azog that I went up against. So it was a one warband, 19 model army. It was Azog on white warg. It was two of the Gundabad trolls, one with club, one with the scythes. It was Stompy. I don't remember the name of the troll, Matt. That's just what you call it. What's the, the troll, the troll brute. Troll brute, yes. Uh, one troll brute, and the rest of the models were the ogres. Very impressive and scary army. I'll have to like post a picture after we set up and deployed. I just had like a from my leader's perspective looking out into the field of monsters running at him. It's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it was. I looked at that and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I didn't Spicy. realize how big. I didn't realize how big the the freaking ogres are. Like their bases are the size of a mortar troll. And I, for whatever reason, I thought they were a cave troll scale. And so the whole army was just massive. Azog looked so tiny. <laughs> uh. But um, okay, so what was what was the scenario? This was Lords of Battle, if I do recall, the last one of the event. Uh, what was my board? My board was, it was pretty epic. It was cool. It was like a a forestry farmland style board with a big open area in the middle, uh, with a river going through like the third a third of the the board. Um, because he only had one warband, he ended up deploying right up on the center of the of the board, and I matched him. I put Gilgalad right in front of uh, Azog. I put a sealed door right next to Gilgalad, um, and then I had a Lindel off on the side, my side, and then deployed the rest of my troops within a bubble of Kirdan, who was somewhat in the middle. And my thought process was, yes, he hits really hard. Yes, he is super scary, but he's all low courage, and I can put up... Um, or of dismay, and then have the terror, the terror boost. Uh, boost. So that's what we did. Turn one, um, I did get the spell off. I burned all the resources, set up my defensive perimeter. He charged in with the, those that passed the courage test. Um, so after round one, it was Gilgalad versus Azog, squaring off for a, a matchup. A Sealdor versus some ogres. A Lindil charged into some ogres on the right side. And then um, my elven warriors countercharged a few of the ogres that stalled out on the left side. The one thing that I, I should say is this matchup, it was very unfortunate for him because all of my Kingsguard are fight six and his mm. main troops were ogres and ogres are fight five. So what I was able to do is I was able to put sword and shield to charge an ogre and then this, uh, the spear support would be a fight six. I could just keep bouncing the fight six guys around the back to go jump into whatever combat um, they would help me auto win. So he wasn't winning a lot of combats just because I had the, I had the dice advantage because he couldn't charge with his full army every time. And I had the fight value advantage. So it felt really good. And then turn one happened. Azog heroic strike. He goes to fight 10. Gilgalad strikes because I learned my lesson. I never don't strike. Uh, so we're both fight 10. He wins the roll off. He goes to put wounds on on Gilgalad, uh, doesn't kill him, but just obliterates him. puts him puts him way down on his um, way down on his total. Uh, we were both on horse, so he didn't get the knockdown bonus, which is what saved me. I think he put two wounds on me, 
and I passed my fate. So I was two wounds, no fate after the first combat, something like that. Uh, Elendil on the right side, he's got the higher fight value. So I was staying on the ogres and he's got the free heroic combat. So I was able to start the snowball on the right side. Um, start a turn two, uh, right back into the fray. Gilglad again against Azog. Can't happen two times in a row. Asildor still charging some ogres. Elendil still doing his thing on the right side. Uh, we both strike. I lose. Gilgalad dies. And in turn two, like the first combat of turn two, my leader's dead in Lords of Battle. And Azog is now on the loose. Um, getting ready to go hunting. And I believe, you guys have to correct me, is it Lords of Battle that you get... Um, where you get the might back? No, that's to the death. Where you get blood and glory built into the. Yeah, they're yeah. both. It's both. But Lords of Battle is for any hero, and then um, Contest of Champions is just for your leader. I think. Oh, okay. That's why I was messing up. So, uh, Azog actually farmed back a point of might uh, after he killed Gilgalad too. After he killed my leader. I think so. that's it. I think that's it, right, Matt? I think you're correct, but that just reminded me that I forgot to gain a lot of might back in my game. <laughs> um, Rubbing salt. Enough. You'll have to check that. So after after that turn, it went pretty well for me, minus the fact that I got my leader obliterated without winning a fight this whole game. Um, I, I was really able to kind of snowball into that defensive position, and this is where the courage test really started biting him in the butt. He had his troll... Uh, brute and he had his um, Gundabad trolls in the back line behind his ogres so when his ogres were stalling out it was also blocking him per se because the one thing I forgot to mention they ruled the river was deep water not shallow water and so crossing it became very uh, risky so I was actually kind of barricaded in because he couldn't get around me with his bigger monsters so he's really just we were lining up and going at it um which was unfortunate for him so turn three uh i started a, i tried to adopt a strategy i don't know what you guys feel about facing off an azog but without a fight nine hero with an elven weapon i got kind of scared so i i did a lot of kiting i would charge one elf into azog and then body block with a few others. So even if he wanted to hero combat, um, he couldn't. I was also trying to keep him away from Elendil because now his master of battle, Elendil, his only opportunities to fight started getting close. So I didn't want to start letting him also get free hero combat. So that was that was challenging. But the kiting strategy did work. Um, the fight six, uh, turn three really went downhill for him. The, the, the fight six elves took out... A majority of his ogres i think a few left alindo ended up striking in and wiping out one of the gundabad trolls um after a heroic combat and at that point then he just had a handful of models and my warrior count was just able to swarm azog and and wait for him not to roll that six on on the duel which i think it took two turns for that to happen where he couldn't mine it up um and then azog went down the game ended uh i didn't totally table him i think he had two ogres left so if i've got my vp correct that should be i got seven points for having triple his kills or triple the wounds dealt all of his that's the other thing all of his models are with three wound models so he was giving up a lot of points on the kill tally mm -hmm. 
So seven for the seven for the kill tally. Um, and then I killed his leader. He killed my leader and I broke him and I did not break. So I think that is, um, I had it right here. Scenario up. Yeah, it is. Uh, 10 right to Yeah. Uh, you, so you tripled him, you killed your leader and you broke, but you both broke or you just broke him without breaking. I didn't get 12. So if that's how you get 12, then I must've broken at the end. Okay. Cause that would be one point instead of three points for breaking without broken. Uh, and then, uh, two for killing the leader, one for wounding him and then triple the victory points is seven. So according to you, if you got 10, you would have broken. Uh, I think I was 12, one then or 12. He killed my leader. So two for that. So 12, yeah, tw 12, two. Yeah. I think that was the final score. I have to go back and double check. Um, and then just for clarification, um, Lords of Battle is anytime you kill an enemy hero, a hero involved in the same fight gets a point of might back. Contest of Champions is anytime you kill a multi-wound or a hero, your leader gets a point mech, point of might back. But that's the one where it's like the heroic challenge where you can go above your starting position or do they both cap? It has to be a point spent earlier in the battle. I think they both say spent earlier in the battle. I think uh, only uh, challenge is the one that lets you go back above your normal. Got so, it. yeah, regains a point lost earlier in the battle for Lords of Battle and Contest says lost earlier in the battle. So, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So that Very was nice. my that was my last game. It was pretty Very fun. Nice. I, I did quickly scroll through the video recording. They had just a camera on the right side, but even with all the background noise and all the fanfare of tables being played around, it was still... I thought it turned out to be a pretty good game. So check it yeah, out on I, the Carolina page. I enjoyed being able to watch it. Very it entertaining. Kind of nice to see the recap. I was surprised the way you used Kirdan in that game. That was the only thing that stood out to me. Yeah, you highlight what what surprised it. What surprised you? Um, well, it was just the fact that prior to major rounds of combat, you put up one of your bubble spells. Um, and you didn't put up the second one before you started doing Enchanted Blade. So I think you put up Aura of Dismay. Yep. And you did not put up Aura of Command. And you started immediately trying to do Enchanted Blades. And I just, having watched in hindsight, the Aura of Command would have kept you from freezing quite a bit. Because the elves were actually chickens. <laughs> they failed a lot of courage tests to charge the ogres. Yeah. Uh, the Numenor, even with the plus one courage, they failed a lot too. So yeah. definitely a misplay on my part. With the free point of will, I could have sacrificed the first or the second turn of combat easily to put that up and have a numbers advantage. Yeah. And then you asked the question about what to do with Azog without it. I mean, you had the perfect counter to Azog. You had a fight nine hero <laughs> that doesn't need to strike. And you didn't like mention it, but I'm, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I watched the video, but Gilgalad couldn't roll more than a four in three different combats against Azog. This was the deal. So he had, he, yeah, he was in combat. In one of the combats, he had friendly support. And I was within banner range, and he was Lord of the West. So I think in one combat, just by himself, he's rolling five dice because of Lord of the West and banner. Uh, he rolled like a three or four high. And in the other combat, the one he died, he had a buddy to help him. So it was like six dice total, and he rolled a three high. And it was. <laughs> So yeah. not even to the wow. point where I can might it to win. Like I just, I just done. 
I, I was shocked that he charged straight into Gilgalad watching the video. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to end well for Azog. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Little did he know. Yeah. Down goes Gilgalad. But a uh, great guy. Like the, again, I'll have to find the picture of the army because the army was just crazy awesome to look at. At a thousand points. It's a lot of big dudes. So. It uh, looked impressive. <laughs> it was definitely uh, well, a double look. Like, there's yeah, a lot of yeah. There's a lot of people that are like turning around, like glancing. All of a sudden, they're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah. And it's probably the only tournament where you'll be able to say you faced five great beasts of Gorgoroth and twelve ogres. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's a good point. That's a quite. Yeah, you had quite the the weird oddball matchups. Like we always talk about the weird, the weird matchups, right? The 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 oddball list that isn't there to necessarily make it to the final round but it just screws with everybody because they're not preparing for it right oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> so the five great so, beasts that's one of them that i don't well, even know what i would do don't say that because the five great beasts he, he made it quite the, yeah the he went championship really table in round three yeah i didn't so. mean it like they it couldn't win i'm just saying like <laughs> normally when you see something like that yeah. it's more of like i'm gonna screw with your list and you know yeah. <laughs> I hope I don't draw this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was talking to him because our game went pretty quick just because we didn't have very many turns. Uh, and I was chatting with him. He mentioned that he had played Minas Tirith the round before and Minas Tirith did not have any counter. So these guys were hurling. They were barging. His whole army just decimated a thousand points of Boromir um, and Minas Tirith. Just wow. obliterated them. Uh, wow. And then... Then he faced a, a fully terrifying army. He's like, well, this sucks. <laughs> so, anyhow. so my record for overall, so that was the last game. Lost the first one, major loss. Won the second one, major win. Won the third one, major win. So I finished two and one. Well, nicely Very done. Nice. Very nice. So that leads to me for round two. So Treebeard really underperformed on my last round, in case anybody didn't know. Uh, and I was, I, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm okay. I was got taken down a peg. It's okay. My last round, I looked in the mirror and then realized it wasn't a mirror because I was facing <laughs> Lothlorien with Galadriel, Celeborn. Instead of Rumilth, he had Haldir and he had an elf captain on foot. So it was, he had a few knights too. So very, very, very similar. I think we were almost identical on model count. We had two of the same Gladrills, two Celeborns. We had the brothers facing off. Uh, and it was Lords of Battle. And we were playing, ironically, on a Lothlorien board. So it was very, very, it was like a civil war going on. It was chaos everywhere. Everybody was looking at the table and goes, which one's which? Because we also kind of painted somewhat similar. So it was, it was, it was pretty fun, though, because we had the, the, the great uh, Malorn trees that were up all over the table and the walkways and uh, pretty somewhat open though. The train didn't play too much of a factor. I kind of deployed, it was kind of one of those one offs. He kind of deployed a little bit off of center and I deployed right on center cause he had maxed out his bows. Um, he had regular, uh, archers with bows. He had like two, three, two sentinels or something like that. Maybe I can't remember. I think he had like two sentinels. Um, and, uh, he had maxed out his bow. So I think he was at like 14 or 15 Galadrim bows or something like that. So I was like, well, he's going to outshoot me here. You, you know, I have blinding light, but I can't cover blinding light with everything. So he's going to pick off my sentinels or my wood elves or something like that. So I'll deploy on center. I have tree beard. 
I can start hurling around. You know, I'll start, I'll just get into combat. So that's kind of what I did. Deployed right on center. He deployed, you know, basically like, I don't know, like 12 inches off from me or something like that. Galadriel was in my center. Celeborn was off to my left. His Celeborn, just so you know, his Galadriel was in the center. His we Celeborn. need like Galadriel 1, Galadriel 2, or Galadriel Red, Galadriel Blue, like something. Yeah. There you go. Something like that. <laughs> so his Colorborn was off to my left and he had Haldir in kind of like the center right. And he had his uh, captain on the far right. So I kind of deployed Rumil. Uh, no, Rumil was on my left to face off against Celeborn. I had my Celeborn right next to Treebeard and Treebeard was in the center and I had Galadriel on my far right and I had my Sentinels kind of spread out across all three so i was like well elves courage five probably not going to do much with these sentinels but what the hell i'll try so i noticed he had some cav he won priority and he kind of just stood still because he was going to really maximize those bow shots so he kind of had his um gladrum knights off to the far left so i was like yeah we'll see what happens and so <laughs> i had a sentinel just hey I'll go ahead and sing my song of Elbereth on that sen that Gladrum Knight back there, and we'll see what happens. And he failed the courage test, which was very <laughs> interesting to me because that that those all he had like four or five knights, and all of them were within twelve inches of Treebeard. So what I was able to do because he failed that courage test, I pulled that knight eh, within charge range of Treebeard, and I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. And I also lined him up so I could hurl him right back into his own knights, which I did. <laughs> so turn turn one combat, Treebeard charges this knight that has failed his courage somehow, picks him up and throws him back into his buddies. I actually was able to hit Galadriel because I hurled him so far. I hit Galadriel with the same hurl. So Ooh. I knocked all of his knights, all but like one of his knights off his horses. And I hit Galadriel and did a wound on Galadriel, which he was able to fate. Uh, and Galadriel was his leader, by the way. I Isn't like, that okay. like a minimum six inch hurl because strength eight, strength three plus D three. Yep. Minimum, minimum six, six inch hurl. Yep. Minimum six inch hurl. So I think I threw him eight inches or something like that. Something, something like that. I think I rolled like a four or five on the hurl. I guess five would be a nine inch hurl, but still <laughs> wow. it was pretty, it was, so I was like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We'll see what happens. His shooting. Um, he, he, he was able to like, take one wound off but he didn't really do much with his shooting actually which was surprising he actually missed quite a bit of shots um so i kind of tried to push forward i engaged with everybody i could his Celeborn came up and i put rumil into him because i was like okay i'll heroic defense with rumil or something parry Celeborn is clearly his best fighter i'll just st excuse me i'll stall him with rumil and actually it was working um the game itself um i'm not trying to do it injustice it was just kind of slow so not i mean it was kind of like progressively happening so i'll kind of speed through it a little bit but basically what ended up happening is rumil eventually died from Celeborn, his Celeborn. so but it did take him a while to get through it but once he did get through my rumil Celeborn started killing like one or two guys and Celeborn was his main source of killing power i was never able to actually get close to doubling his count kill count but he definitely wasn't threatening to take over in the kill count. So I think I was at like, uh, uh, by the end of the game, I think I was at 30 something kills and he was at like 20 in the twenties. So I wasn't going to be able to double him because he did just enough. But basically what happened was 
once he kind of got through Rumel and started killing up the cleaning up my left side, I actually had my Celeborn kind of sweep right a little bit. And he kind of just started wiping out all of his archers, his defense five archers. I was able to get my Celeborn in there called Hero Combats. And I was just cleaning up. I was killing like three to four guys a turn with Celeborn. And uh, my Gladrill actually. Uh, don't this... lie. Are we talking about the right hero here? Celeborn? My, three to my four Celeborn. People a turn. Yep. Well, it was at, with his hero combat. It was like three. And if he didn't call did hero combat, like it was definitely pike. Two. Did you have like six pike support? Yeah, maybe. You didn't tell us he had hobbits in his army. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is real. However, Galadriel really stalled out on this game. So she actually, I was trying to command his Galadriel and pull her towards Treebeard. And I was failing to cast. With two mm -hmm. dice, I couldn't roll a three, uh, a four plus for command. So, uh, so I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. So Treebeard kind of hit the middle, and he actually got kind of pinned. He would kill the guy in front of him, but he would only throw one guy into him. And I didn't want to burn all my might right off the bat with Treebeard. So Treebeard was just killing one guy a turn, and there was nowhere really for him to barge to. I tried barging a couple times, and I rolled a one. So then I just opted just to kill the guy in front of me and just keep killing. But Treebeard was just kind of waiting to get that shot on Galadriel. So while I was killing all those guys, I noticed that, okay – it's time to go get um, Galadriel because it's his leader, and I need to get the VPs. And so I was like, okay, Celeborn, you're tasked with this job. So I kind of looped Celeborn around because he had completely, at this time, he kind of wandered off further to the right than I wanted him to. But I was able to actually finally clean that up and get him back towards the center. And I had uh, just guards of the Galadriel court tie up Haldir and his captain way off to the right. So I looped Celeborn back over to the center, and I actually got in combat with Galadriel, and I did a few wounds to her with Celeborn. Um, but I think he was able to fate them. Uh, yeah, I think he was able to fate them, I think, because uh, I don't think I did any actual wounds to her yet. But we're like, we're, we've zoned her in, okay? We have Treebeard right here in the center, to my bottom center. We have Celeborn to my bottom or top center and Gladriel's right in between it. And there's a, only like a handful of his warriors. Celeborn is way off. Her, his Celeborn is way off to the left. Not able to help out at this point. I'm thinking, sweet, one more turn and I will be able to uh, kill Gladriel and we'll see if I can double his kill count at this point. Like I was getting to that point where I started thinking these things. So that turn that I, uh, fought Galadriel with Celeborn. I think I broke him. I was like, okay, sweet. End of next turn, I will start rolling. Something like that. But I don't think he can get away from me. We rolled for priority. He uh, lost it, but he called a heroic move with Galadriel. Galadriel still had a point of might left. And he was actually able to skirt away from her, me with her. Okay, I was like, okay, that's fine. I still have Treebeard who can barge. So Treebeard charged the line that he put up, the defensive shield wall. He was going to hit those guys, win the combat, barge them out of the way, barge only two inches into Galadriel, kill her. All is fine. Well, Treebeard lost the combat. Something that was <laughs> happening a little more than I was liking that day. And Celeborn was out of might, so Celeborn couldn't call hero combat. So even though Celeborn killed the guy that was in front of him, he completely lost his man wall that was in front of Galadriel. But I had... Tree, because Treebeard lost his combat, he couldn't barge into Galadriel. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, that's fine. 
we still have to roll a one to two. It's only a 33% chance the game's going to end this turn. Well, guess what we rolled? <laughs> so the game ended. And actually, we were looking at this because I was, I was not quite double his. I think I, the final kill count was I was at like 34, 35 kills. And he was at like 25. He had just broken me that turn that we had rolled to end, just so you know. Because we, we started, we, he finally got me into the 20s which would break me. So I went from, I had broken him without breaking yet. I was just about to kill Gladril to Gladril barely being able to skirt out of there. He was able to break me. And before I could even up the match and get Treebeard and Kellerworn back in there and double the kill count and kill Gladril, to, I went from a major victory to a minor victory. So I think the final score is if I, if I had more, that's three. I broke him, that's four. I think I did wound his leader, technically. Yeah, I think I wounded her. Um, so I think it was a five, and he broke me. So I think it was five, one. No, because it was a minor one, so it must have been four, one. I must not have wounded his leader. So I think it was a... You said, you said she passed all her fate. Yeah, I think so. So I think it was a four, one victory. Um, yeah, four, four to one, which is not a major win, correct? That's Yeah, because they were on this one, they were playing with the old packet, so you had to win by four or more victory points for yeah. it to be a major win, not so, double your the right. victory points. Right, that's right. So I went from, uh, I went to a four-one victory, which was a minor win, and it ended that turn. Had it ended the turn before, still would have been a major because I wouldn't have broken yet. Had it gone on for one more turn, I really feel strongly a fact that even Treebird couldn't have flopped that for me. I think, but. It was still a fun game. It was entertaining. It was uh, kind of boring in the sense that it was elves killing elves, so strength three against D6 a lot. But uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was able to spice it up because of Celeborns. Both our Celeborns were doing some stuff, which was pretty fun. I had a Sentinel that was able to compel something that was high courage, which was fun. Treebeard was able to get at least one good hurl off in the tournament. And uh, yeah, no, it was, it was fun, though. Just not a lot of magic was going on, actually, because uh, his Gladril would try to mobilize uh, Treebeard. And Treebeard has six will and resistant to magic, and he kind of just shrugged it off. And then I was started tying her up, so she wasn't able to start casting anymore. And my my Gladril just was failing to cast a lot of things. But uh, all in all, it was a fun game. I'm not sure how much I believe you. you your Celeborns were doing. You I'm, made such an effort to plug Celeborns' effort, both I, yours I, and I his. Am, I am but Celeborn was. I am Killing 100% five to serious. seven guys a turn. I would be interested in to go back and look at the kill difference between Treebeard and Celeborn. And I bet you Celeborn easily over the, doubled. Over the life if, of the tournament? Over the life of the tournament. Easily doubled, if not tripled, Treebeard's kill crown. Like, that's the difference. Which is believable because Mitchell went into this advocating for how good Treebeard was, not <laughs> Celeborn. So the fact that it's flopped, I do believe him. Yeah, well, it also just goes to show how unfortunate it is. Uh, the Celeborn can get the pike support, so he can get that couple extra dice to help. Yes, and the duels consistently. And Treebeard is almost always fighting oh. by himself, unless with a banner. And even if Celeborn was fighting by himself, having the banner and Lord of the West, he just mm -hmm. always rolled a six. I mean, there was it was like. It saved him so many times, but having consistently five attacks, even when he's by himself, and like Marcus said, having two pike supports behind him, he has fainting Lord of the West, seven attacks to win the fight. It's it's pretty deadly what he can do. Do you guys see this right now? Yes. yes. So, Mitchell, what you just... I found the pictures from my game. So you said 
uh, Lord of the West, Banner, Buddy Support. So those three are Gilglad, Lord of the West, Banner, plus three elf buddies trying to help him win the fight against... Uh... Wow. So for everybody that can't see it, we're looking at three, six, eight dice, and the highest thing is a three. Yeah, two threes, four twos, and two ones. And the thing was, I rolled, I rolled everybody first. What's that? That would have been six dice. So Gilglad and his three buddies to win the combat. Nothing. I was like, it's okay. I've got two rerolls. And I don't remember which ones they were, but they're one of those. <laughs> Not much going. Well, I had two rerolls. No. <laughs> That's pretty sad. But yeah. So that didn't help into Celeborn. <laughs> Must have been the extra pike support. That's much yeah. of the difference. <laughs> Must have been. We got to see. So really quick, we got. I found the other picture too. You got to see this one. All of his ogres and trolls lined up. My first warband to deploy was a sealed order and his four troops. And that's what they were looking up against. Guys, Richard, Richard right? Richard. Richard here, right? Where's everybody else? Because he just has one warband. So he's like, that's my warband. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. That's a lot. Back up. Uh, so big. They're so big. Okay. Well, that is a good looking a seal door, though. He's, he's all right. For some reason, he looks so much better than the rest of the army. I don't. <laughs> Joe, I don't. I don't remember if we said this already, but yes, I borrowed my Sealdor model. Chump. <laughs> they were going on own... eBay for a hundred bucks. I was like, I can't do that. Which is ironic. <laughs> I bought him back in the day for like fifteen. Which is ironic because that is Marcus's old Sealdor model that I acquired I from him. So Marcus yeah. had to borrow his own guy from me. <laughs> it's uh... mine, fair and square. So, all right. So Mitchell, you finished two and one as well. I finished two and one. That minor victory actually dropped me down quite a bit because there's apparently a lot of two and ones, two majors, and uh, you know, like Marcus, you had uh, two major wins. Um, so you you were stuck up above me, and I dropped down quite a bit because of that minor win. Got it. Still a good showing though. I was there to advocate for Treebeard, and I can't really say. Are you going to really be running much. Treebeard in a tournament anytime soon? Maybe, because I'm kind of butthurt about it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll hey, see. I'm a little butthurt. Got released. Yeah, the new model did get released. We're Maybe I'll put, I'll put my own hobbits on it and just uh, get rid of those new hobbits. But it does do look nice. Job. Do a conversion yeah. job. Maybe I'll just chop off half his hand so it looks like a normal hand. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'll be doing. All right, Matt. So take us home. Last game of the tournament. Yours actually finished last too, I think. So. Yeah, I think it did. It went all the way to time conclusion. So um, I was playing against a Corsair Serpent Horde army. Which... Have you ever done that before? <laughs> Do you know that army? Well, I mean, I've never played against it, but I've been playing with it quite a bit, just not at a thousand points. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. I saw it. I'm like, well, at least I'm familiar with how this army will be working. Can so, you zoom in on the Reavers? This, because this is the guy that had the really interesting Reavers, right? Uh, yes. Let me see if there's a good picture of them later on for all the uh, people on YouTube. We'll be able to see them. We'll zoom in. Uh, he had bought non-GW. Yeah, you can kind of see them back there, but they're blurry. Non-GW ghosts and kind of put them on like treasure box bases. So it looked like these ghosts coming out of 
open treasure boxes like a genie effect. So it was kind of a cool uh, way to get Reavers. Well, and he he painted them like what you see the typical army of the dead. Anyways, um, so his army, typical Corsair build out. He had Dalamir, Delgamar. He had a bosun, um, bunch of re, uh, bunch of Corsairs with spear and shield, bunch of Arbalesters, a uh, bunch of Reavers with the bosun, and then he had uh, on the Serpent Horde side he had Suladan with a bunch of Haradrim Raiders. I think at least eight Haradrim Raiders. And then he had uh, Raza, the Serpent Fang, or whatever that is, Fang of the Serpent, with a bunch of uh, equal amount of Haradrim Archers to his horses. So he was utilizing that 50% bow limit. The board we were playing on is a Rohan board. Um, it's, it's supposed to be like uh, the burning of the Westfold. You had a few houses. You had a couple Rohan watchtowers. Kind of a grassy dirt board layout with a few farm fields in it. So if we remember back to my army build out, my army is built for Lords of Battle. Like this is best scenario you can have for my army. I'm sitting there with six crossbows, bunch of D8 guys, blinding light, tons of might. Every single hero in my army has strike, high fight value, low model count. So I'm feeling pretty good going into this. So when we looked at the board and it was time to deploy, I won priority to deploy first. Uh, what I decided was I was going to deploy mid-board right at the front of the line. And I looked and I decided that where I wanted the battle to take place was on his two-by-two two square on my right side because there was a Rohan house and a Rohan watchtower. So I had deployed aggressively as far up as I could because I was thinking that I wanted to really have the battle take place with my line kind of adjacent to one of the houses that was on the board because that would keep his numbers from coming to bear and I could castle up and kind of do what I wanted. So he deployed pretty much in the same square but back middle of the board and he was trying to line up some shots with his heavy archery armor, uh, heavy archery army. But the way I deployed, there was a house in the middle. So he, he didn't have very many good shots. So I honestly thought, well, I've got blinding light. I'm going to move my main army up, leave my archers back, take pot shots at him. And I'm going to win that scenario. Because he really, at the start, the way it was deployed, he had probably four crossbow shots through the alley on the left. And he had maybe five shots from the uh, Rohan Watchtower, all of which would be going into blinding light. So I wasn't worried about his shooting. So turn one, I moved up except for my crossbows. Uh, my crossbows didn't kill anything. He shot into blinding light on turn one and killed three uh, of my guys. And that was on seven shots. So... Seven shots killed three D8 dwarves that were all in shield wall. So I was like, oh, that was lucky. I was like, good job, man. Nice. Enjoy that. It won't happen again. <laughs> um, so the next, the next round, I was, had moved up behind the house. So he only had six shots, and I had six shots with my blinding light. Um, I killed nothing with my six shots. All six shots of his hit in the blinding light. He rolled six dice rolled six sixes. What? And then he proceeded to roll five sixes for wounds. Oh, so, I don't remember you saying this. Yes. He rolled so, 11 sixes and 12 dice. 
I've never seen anything like it. So with the round one and then losing five doors, keep in mind I'm a 39 model army. I just said, okay, well, I cannot trust. I mean, this shouldn't happen. So I can't sit back and slowly move in. I'm going to change my strategy. And I called a heroic march with Dane the next turn and just pushed <laughs> everybody up the, the alley to engage in the combat. Flying um, light and shield wall, and you're forced to run in. Yes. I mean, because if I'm keeping track, that's eight guys and two turns of shooting of a 39 model army. And it's Lords of Battle, so I'm down eight nothing. Jeez. I had never heard of such rolling. <laughs> yeah. Not even I can do that. Yeah. So, okay. So the entire game takes place after that on his two by two quadrant on his side, but my right hand side. So my force charges up on a heroic march. He doesn't move. So there's another turn of shooting. He doesn't, I don't really remember him killing anything. So I think I was okay that time. Next turn, his horses flank around from behind the tower and go to charge uh, Thorin Oakenshield, Dwalin, and a bunch of uh, Iron Hills dwarves. His main bulk of warriors with the Reavers, the Reavers start to try and flank around the house, which takes them several turns, so the Reavers will be a non-factor for a little bit. All of his Corsairs, Delgamar, uh, the Raza, uh, all engage right about in this area between the watchtower and the house on my main army. So what happens here is his throwing weapons do absolutely no good because of the blinding light. Um, now the blinding light works. Yeah, they, they worked too on the, too late. They worked on the throwing weapons. His major blunder was taking all of his horses and leaving uh, and getting Suladan into a battle line of combat on my right hand side of my battle line. So I called a series of heroic combats with Thorin and Dwalin and a bunch of dwarves. So I basically wiped out almost all of his horses in one turn and heroic combated into Suladan because Suladan's fight five um, and I'm all fight six. So, and here's one piece of strategy that I'll just mention. If, if you read the rules of Lords of Battle, it says you get a, a kill count for every wound. If a model flees, you get it unless it's a horse. So it specifically calls out that a horse that's fleeing, you don't get points. But it doesn't say that you don't get a point for wounding a horse. So if you're fighting against cavalry, every time I had multiple strikes, I always said, okay, first strike against the horse. If I kill the horse, then I'll strike the rider. So his eight horses wound up getting me 16 points for wound tally. Nice. So that kind of helped me catch up a little bit there. But... Um, through the end of that turn, his horses are gone. Suladan is net, not dead, but Suladan's in, got wounded. So his leaders got a wound against him. Um, and then he got quite a few kills on my Iron Hills on my left-hand side. So end of that turn, I'm still in a, in a kill deficit by about two. Um, not a bad comeback, though. Yeah, and it was really just all just about the horses. Yeah. Did, sir, uh, did you call combats with everybody? So you basically just launched into the horses and everybody combated, or did you just do it with a couple? I did one with Thorin's free heroic combat. Dane called a heroic combat, and uh, Dwalin called a heroic combat. Galadriel did not. Got it. Dang, yeah, that's a lot of punching power. Yeah. Um, next turn, Suladan died. So I've got kills. 
I've got a killed leader because he had Suladan as his leader and he's lost the banner. Um, my dwarves kind of had their way. He was really castled up well between the Rohan house and the Rohan watchtower. So I couldn't really bring, he had more models than me and I had a small force, but it really prevented me from getting my goat riders into charge because I wanted my heroes in. So I, space was my enemy. So my goat riders weren't really doing much. Um, and about this time, his reavers were rounding the corner of the house and his reavers were one turn away from getting into the foray. So we had another turn of combat and it was pretty even. Uh, we go into that turn almost in a deadlock for kill count. The next turn, uh, his reavers got engaged and flanked me and he went up by about five kills. Oof. So I'm in a five kill count deficit. My leader isn't wounded. His leader's dead. So if you do the scoring right now, it would be, I think he'd get what, seven to two or five to two. Cause he had double. No, it wasn't double. It'd be oh, three, no, to two. Three, three to two, three to two. Yeah. yeah three yeah, to two. Three, two. Yeah. So at that point, we we're getting ready to roll priority and the TO calls last turn. And oh, so you guys were playing slow. Yeah, it was super slow because he had so many shots and really slowly methodically going through the shots. Um, so there was a lot of time taken up just in the, in the, uh, the shooting phase initially. And then every time he's charging, he's got throwing weapons. So just took forever. So when, uh, when they called last turn, I had priority and the way they'd set it up is they said when they called last turn, we weren't going to be able to finish the turn. It was going to end on the timer. Yeah. Cause it wasn't last turn. It was five minutes. Yes. And then he said at the end of five minutes, it's dice down wherever you're at. It's dice down. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So knowing that and having priority, um, I set up a series of heroic combats with Galadriel, Dwalin, uh, and Thorin with his free one. Dane was out of might, so he couldn't. And then I just basically ran one warrior into a bunch of people everywhere I could, and then multiplied my numbers to have huge advantage with every warrior I had left. And I had priority, so I was basically just setting up where I would be able to do the fights in my favor in priority order until time ran out. So we did my three heroic combats and then we had time for two more fights, just normal fights before time was called. So we didn't even get to go through them. And by that time I was up two on the kill count. So we ended the game, shook hands. Um, so we were counting up score and I had more kills by two. And then I had killed his leader. So that was a five zero victory. But then as we were looking at it, we realized that we did my three heroic combats and two normal fights. He had called a heroic combat with Delgamar, and we had forgotten to play it. So he went up and asked the TO if it was okay, because there was, there was actually something that said you'd get penalized for playing past the clock. And we told the TO, hey, we messed up. We forgot a heroic combat. So we got permission to play that out. Uh, Delgamar won the heroic combat and killed two people. So... The score changed. Oh. It was tie on the kill count. I think we each had, uh, yeah, tie on the kill count. And then I had killed his leader. So I won two to zero instead of five to zero. 
Mm. What a clutch and unfortunate heroic combat. So he yes. killed with his one heroic combat. He pulls out both sixes for wounds on your dwarves. Yes. Uh, mm. Does he have Bane of Kings? I can never remember yes, which he one does. does. Yes. yes. Okay. So at least he was rolling six dice. And, uh, he, trapped? And, and he had a trap, so he was getting plus one. Oh, never mind. So it's it's pretty realistic that he killed both guys. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, that's so unfortunate. Because keep in mind, he just got the first. He he just got the the combat itself. Um, so you had it slip from your hands as well, Matt. <laughs> yes. At the very last second. At the, at the very end, yeah. Anyways, uh, it, it was it was fun, but uh, you know, I always like to say that you know if things don't go the way you think, counter. So I was kind of I was kind of proud of myself because I had thirty one models left. Up against, I want to say, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say 60-ish models with 50% bows, pretty much. Oh, and man. and to, to come back and pull out a win, uh, I was kind of proud. I thought that was, it's not a major victory, but I th- I was happy with the result because I had to play my, my mind out well, to do that. Well, and I have to think that if you had played another turn, like, there, he can't keep that up with Thorin, Dwal, and Gladriel, and Dayan just killing oh, yeah. two to four people a turn. Yeah. He can't keep that up. He must have been very thankful it ended when it did. Yeah, because if it had gone one more, I would have easily. Because the way yeah. I was coming back, it was just it was yeah. just about ready to crunch at any moment. Yeah, it seems like you only got like a couple of turns too, like of combat, which I mean, really does. I think not there was four you. total. Four total turns. Yeah, wow. of combat. So and there was like oh four turns of combat. Okay, yeah. So like that is very. This was a two and a half hour game. Yeah, so Holy only have cow. four turns of combat of doing what you want. Like, that's a very slow playing game. So to, yeah, a couple of more turns definitely would have swung it to a major for you. And you were right there. Yeah. I will say Galadriel played her lights out because having the fight six and the ability to heroic combat, I didn't mention it, but there was a couple times where she would just be in the back line and bring a couple dwarfs and call a heroic combat and go kill, like, strength four reavers so she was a huge factor the blinding light didn't work out early but with neutralizing throwing weapons with us playing in such a small space his throwing weapons did almost nothing mm. very cool That's awesome yeah. well i would hope that his crossbows wouldn't do much either with the d8 but we saw him roll 11 sixes, <laughs> 11 sixes. i i've never seen anything like that in my life i actually laughed because the to came by and i said look at that that's that's kind of cool. And he's like, it's cool unless it's you he's rolling against. <laughs> Wait, did he roll them all at once or did he roll them one at a time? All at once. Oh, that the most I've ever had in a game, I've rolled five sixes with five dice. I've never rolled six sixes with six dice. And then turn around and roll seen, five sixes? I've never, well, I've never seen that. that so that wow. is, that's unreal. It you took was, a picture of it, right? It was strange. I've never, I've, Statistically, it's weird, but it happens, obviously. It's improbable. So, good for wow. you. I wish you would have taken a picture. That's You'll never see that again. That's like one in a million. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... yes, yes. <laughs> Matt's like, I didn't want to take a picture. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, you didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, live and, live and, live and learn. So. Well, wait a, wait a battle back. That sounds like a... That sounds like a very tactical game that, as you said, you really, you really played, um, you're scrolling through the pictures, you really played differently and it worked out well for you. Exactly. 
Yeah, because you were right. That was the ideal matchup for you, and you couldn't play the way you wanted to. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer, especially seeing that army. I'm like, all right, I know how this works. I'll limit his shot alleys. I won't let the whole army shoot at me. I'll have blinding light. He'll have to come to me because he's D4. Statistically, I'll kill two of his guys a turn, and he probably won't kill any of mine. Oh, the best laid plans. Mm-hmm. That's like my Gilgalad. I've got this. I'll easily tank against Azog. <laughs> yeah. So. Although it does go back. I always stink. The last thing I want to say is I stink at deployment. And we had prepped as a group before, the night before. And we'd said, in Lords of Battle, the biggest thing with me deploying is to decide when we do fight, where will we fight? I'm going to fight where I want to as dwarves. So I think that strategy is the only thing that saved me. Because when I pushed forward, the houses blocked his army. He had to funnel through. So Very nice. Well done. Yeah. Well done. At least well, one of well, us was able to implement, you know, practice. <laughs> <laughs> when your strategy is roll sixes, I don't have sympathy for you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. So, okay. So overall, that, that wrapped up the tournament. So we all finished two and one um, for the day. Pretty good showing overall. Um, obviously, Mitchell blew it when he didn't win game number two and keep his oh, perfect record alive. I will say this as well is that uh, the guy I lost john uh stokes he actually won the whole tournament so at least i was able to help someone win <laughs> <laughs> well if you're gonna lose it it's nice to have it be the guy that won the whole thing you yeah know, it makes yeah. you feel a little better yeah it wasn't the final round or anything but i lost to him yeah <laughs> unlike me who i lost to the guy and i saw him at the end of the tournament I'm like how'd it go he's like oh i lost two games after you i'm like wait i was the only guy you beat the whole tournament <laughs> 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 that's awesome um, well overall i thought it was a pretty fun event a thousand points i enjoy a thousand points a ton we've talked about this uh the three games went by so quickly even though they were two and a half hour games the whole day just went by in a blur um it was fun this this was a change of my philosophy though this tournament so it was a well-run tournament good to all that stuff so but the intricacies of having a thousand points and all of the weird rules that start coming into play at a thousand points because people bring i have decided it is no longer my favorite points value i now see why the 500 to 800 point range is a way better thing lower points better you have time for moves you have simpler armies there's less having to explain to people um yeah, I just think a thousand points, it's not. I hate games not coming to a natural conclusion. Yeah, I hate that too. I, I like natural conclusions. Um, so, games that don't, I was lucky enough that all three of my games came to the natural con- conclusions. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel, I feel weird because I had two of my three come to natural conclusions. And the only one that didn't, it actually benefited me a ton. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I will just say the only I agree with you, Matt. I like the smaller battles only because it seems like each game at a thousand points has everything in it, which means you can counter almost everything. So it's almost like, okay, you have this. Let's say you have a bell rock. Okay, that's why I brought this beat stick. Okay, you have a lot of shooting. That's why I brought my my blinding light. Whereas lower points levels, you can't have everything. So you have to choose what you want. So like, oh, dang it. 
you have a lot of shooting. I wish I had brought my Gladrill. I didn't. I opted for my beat stick instead. So how can I make this work? And I feel like mm-hmm. the smaller points levels have a lot more strategy to them. Um, but bigger games are still fun, and I enjoy them a lot because you have everything. You're like, ha Exactly. Unless you, have a 200, unless you have a fifth of your points doing absolutely nothing, then it's no fun. <laughs> well, yeah. and I mean, to exactly your point, I was running a three-hero beat stick army. And I'm like, what will I do with this last 130 points? Blinding Light and Fortify Spirit. Galadriel. Beautiful. There we go. It just is not healthy. (laughs) I have too many points left over. So. That's funny. Well, we'll definitely have to go back. It was a fun experience. It was a fun time playing. Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't get, uh, we didn't get Myers on for these bat reps, but he was there playing and and battling games too. So we'll definitely have to make it back to the Carolinas for Mm -hmm. one of their upcoming events. Hopefully a two day event to play more for a, a, the flight that we have to book. So, Yeah, I saw that they, you know, after Nova and Adepticon got canceled, they had the ring go south. But I think they just sent me a message that said that was changing to a one-day tournament. So I was going to go to that, but if it's only one day, probably not. Hmm, yeah, I saw that. Are they thinking about changing it, or have they officially changed it? They officially changed it to one day. The event bummer. Hmm. God, man, man, it's like a two-day tournament. That's time to go book some flights. But uh, maybe next time. Maybe. Maybe next time. So, all right. Well, it's been great. Uh, appreciate this, and I guess we'll uh, we'll be back for regular programming. We don't have any events coming up, so I think it's gonna be a while before we get some more bat reps uh, back in the queue. So. Yeah, unless we do like our own recap, like Marcus and I, you and I tried to get our uh, YouTube channel going. Um, unfortunately, I kind of messed up the footage a little bit, so I'm gonna have to redo that one. But we might. I was get about to else say. Going. I was about to say, Mitch, give it the plug. Give the uh, give the channel a plug. What you're doing? Uh, so I started. I'm trying to start record uh, bat reps, and Marcus and I officially recorded one, which. I'm starting to wonder if he sabotaged the footage somehow because uh, <laughs> conveniently, no, I'm just kidding. The one I'm game say, there's conned, no documentation of how this game actually ended. I'm just going to uh, say that. Conned, you know, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, we would like to get that going. So I'm going to try to get, get something going and film. It won't be often, maybe every few months or so, maybe release something. But because um, I still like to enjoy the game side of Mitchell it. Mitchell built but, a full-on recording studio with like 17 lights, seven cameras, dice tray, dice cameras. Like it's the whole shindig. He's it's a pretty legit setup. So once we do finally release some footage, uh, it's going to be a beautiful. I think a beautiful recording. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, that's the that's the hope at least. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but we'll see if we can get that going. But that's next. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun. Have a good one. See you later.